Welcome to Reptile and Chill. Beardy hammocks are shit. <laughs> straight in there, Danner. <laughs> straight in there with a dagger. Oh. Right. First, hey, you wanted controversy. Right. Firstly, between the <laughs> two, between the two of you. Right. So firstly, Danny, mm. behave yourself. We're already going to get enough <laughs> shit for this week's episode as it is. Right. Okay. Have you have you seen how much like before anybody's even listened to it? Have you seen just by putting up the, no, <laughs> yeah. what we're doing? How and much it, you know what? It's a shitstorm already. And if there isn't enough stress, yeah, and a shitstorm already going, Mike, Mister yeah. Phelps, yeah, if you delete your audio one more time, mate, right. I- Right, don't give that bullshit out. This, I, did not, I did not do anything wrong what happened? this time. What happened I, I think you got a bit excited about what was happening on uh, the, the the episode that you... Stop stuttering between your words and you might sound believable. <laughs> Come on, mate. Own up to it. I'm sorry. Right, what happened? And what we normally tend to do is we tend to record the introduction, pause get the guests on, and then re- record the, the actual interview with the guests, which is what we did. Normal, we've been doing this nearly, you know, t- well... Nearly two eight, years. 82 episodes. Mm. Mike doesn't mess up often. You know, he's pretty good at this. Um, so we've done this absolutely fantastic intro, and all you can hear is me and Danny talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, and when I do a lot of talking, it didn't seem... To, <laughs> we, couldn't, we, couldn't, we couldn't wing it, could well, we? it was like every other word, weren't it? Um, so this is now Saturday, um, so we've had to now get together and record another intro because Mike doesn't know how to do his job properly. Thanks, dude. At least I wasn't drunk this time. and uh... <laughs> That is true. At least it was a genuine mistake. <laughs> and, and do you know what? I'd rather just get, I'd just rather get the intro wrong as opposed to like, like we did. <laughs> um, it was... Uh, Eric Burkhardt, and uh, I, oh, I, did, I deleted the whole episode <laughs> with all of us talking the for like thing. two and a half hours. And yeah. to be fair, it's worth mentioning that yeah, usually, you know, we'd, we'd probably just go our, our balls to it. We'll leave the intro and we'd, we'd just bring it in with a guest, wouldn't we? But we felt this this show does need an, an intro. It really does. Um, just just <sighs> to make was... sure people aren't, just to make sure people know we're not bashing everybody just from the word go do you know what i mean yeah and i think think as well the actual obviously we're in the future now so we know how the interview went um it was relaxed i wouldn't say it was um let's everyone let everyone can keep giants it's all okay but i think it was very positive towards keeping giants as long as you were sensible um, I think yeah. I think we had to give the guests uh, some credit there because you know they've all got difference of opinion. They were all very very, you know, grown up, well behaved. They respected each other, and uh, yeah, they were absolutely spot on. Not like what a lot of people thought was going to happen. Definitely, um, but obviously now we get the time to slay down our opinions, um, and uh, it's it's a really hard one, isn't it? Because. These giants, you know, I've kept, I've kept berms. I had a retic at one point. Uh, I've now got one again now. Um, and they're, they're stunning animals. Um, and they do get a lot of hard flack. Um, I, I think like, I think kind of like any animal. And this even goes for dogs, you know. A lot of people don't realise just how much work animals in general are. 
And yeah. obviously some animals are a lot more work than others. You know, I mean, you can have like, I don't know, let's say a, a, a bulldog, you know, nice and chilled. Danny, what, really what, what noise does a bulldog make? Woof. <laughs> you, you, you can do better than that. Oh, he's, don't don't make me do it. It's much better at cuckoo impressions. <laughs> I could I could do I could do the the one from bloody Lady in the Tramp. Do you go, remember him? Go on there. No, not not today. I'm going to make go on, you please, suffer. Please, please. No, 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 no. Next episode. Next episode. Pass. We've, we've got too much to talk about. Bearing in but, mind, yeah, just the intro. <laughs> yeah. And when I mean, the three like, of us get together, I got saying, you know, if say for instance you got a, a bulldog, yeah. Um, chilled out dog doesn't really need huge amounts of exercise because it's really they're not they're not very good at it, are they? And what do bull, what do bulldogs eat? Fat sausages, just fat. <laughs> they just eat fat all the time. I think, um, you know, as opposed to you know, I don't know, uh, fucking husky or something. You know, it's going to you know need a hell of a lot more exercise, and they're just uh, yeah. what I'm saying is they're just just different animals. You know, hundred percent different care. Do you know Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's the same with snakes. You know, a corn snake and a reticulated python need a, a, a two very different sets of care. Um, so it's just worth knowing. It's just like worth laying down the negatives sometimes of keeping giants. You know, because yeah, of I course there well, is some. the giants amongst themselves as well. So you know, anacondas need a lot more water. They don't mm-hmm. move a fat lot. Um, berms don't move that much. Retics, they they they're like massive fucking corn snakes. They don't very stop. very very active. Very um, switched on. You know what I mean? What so, about what about Afrox guys? They just they they they're just bastards from what I've gathered. <laughs> uh, I've I've had a uh, small interaction with the nat- Natalensis. Um, they were very vocal, but they were fine. But again, I think yeah. they were quite chill. Didn't move much. Um, but I've never kept them. I can't comment. I've never kept them. It was one of the first animals I ever wanted as a little, little kid. Mm -hmm. I wanted an Afrock. I loved the patterning on them. And, uh, you know, but obviously that, that, that never happened. And, and, and it's a good job that he didn't. I've never, I've never ever, I've never had the urge to keep a giant snake. Um, what do you think that is though? But why? Um, do you know what? I, I could potentially get rid of my collection, put build a nice enclosure for it. But if I'm honest with you, um, and I'll be totally honest with you, um, I think it's the the handling of them. If you once they get to, and I'm on about sort of like the mainlands, you know, these 15 to 18 footers, you know, really, I think it probably needs two people to be around to handle it. If ever I got into trouble with it, I wouldn't want my wife coming in and getting involved because, you know, if ever she got tagged I'd, I, I, and we got into trouble, I'd feel bad. And, and mm. you know, I know, you know, people who keep them all say, no, they're not like that. And and a hundred percent they're not, but there is a chance that it, they could be mm, like that. There's always a chance. And yeah. I personally, you know, and I'm a big guy, personally feel that in my situation uh, with my wife and my two kids, that I wouldn't want that. It's the wrong I'd, situation to have. Yeah. And I'd struggle. So I've never really given it any thought. It's, I've just sort of like dismissed it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to mm. have one. Um, yeah, just you never know, had any think, major interest because of that. Yeah, yeah I think well, yeah. me and Danny have been the complete opposite, and I know Danny wasn't with a with a giant as such; it was with a Asian water monitor. Mm-hmm. I did it with a berm, and I've done it with a retic. I've done it twice. Mm-hmm. Jesus wept. Where you bought it, got excited, and then gone, oh, okay, this is starting to get some size on it now. What am I going to do mm-hmm. with it? 
Mm-hmm. And, and was that your? Is that the honest reason why you had to get rid of yours, Hoss? It just become to the point where the car, these things getting big quick. I've already upgraded the Viv again, um, and then you kind of go in your head, "Oh, I can put this Viv there, and I can put this Viv there." And then when it actually comes down to it, it's just like, "No, I still live in a, you know, a bedroom at my parents. I, I can't. My, my, I can't my do eyes, this. my eyes were bigger than my belly. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, not, it's mean. a great idea, and yeah, mm. you can't. I think it's just, again, it's like you fool yourself. You get yeah. this like complex, and you, you do, kind of yeah. like, I can do this, and I can do that, and this is fine, and you almost believe your own shit. Um, yeah, you know, and it's just like I was going <clears> to <throat> keep it, keep it in a six foot viv because six foot viv is fine. Other people do it, but then you look at it and you go, dude, Daniel can't move. Mm-hmm. Like what? what it's worth, I'm keep, it's like, worth, what, what, while you're saying that, Hoss, right? It's it's worth sliding in there that. A lot of people say that if you if you haven't keep the if you don't keep the giants you don't you know I'm not entitled to a fucking opinion right and I kind of get where that's coming from I, I genuinely do but for for me and you for instance um we we kind of do have the experience and we were the idiots that made that mistake yeah. and so yeah. what, what I want to add on to there as well is and this is what baffles me the most right so say for instance you've got a corn snake and it needs X Y and Z space right mm. and we take in physical mass volume compared mm. to enclosure, that corn snake gets quite a lot of room for its mass volume. Mm-hmm. But just because it's labelled as a giant or needs a larger enclosure, all of a sudden it doesn't need as much enclosure volume to its mass volume. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, yeah, but it doesn't need it. And there's all these bullshit reasons, or in my opinion, bullshit reasons. Oh, yeah, but it doesn't move this. Or it get, goes outside the enclosure, or it does this, does that. And it's like, well, hang on a second. You're making like a moral um a moral choice that that animal mm. doesn't need this because you want to justify keeping it and you know what it's like it, it's I, like, I don't accept that yeah it's like it's like uh here's a good here's a good example hoss um just straight off the bat what would you what would you suggest for me uh for my six foot carpet python for tank enclosure wise you know minimum well, enclosure wise. minimum 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 um, four Without two thinking two. too much, four, four by two by two minimum. I would go more height to be honest. Yeah, I, mm. I, I've gone four but, by t- four by two by two and a half stroke. Well, just over that's, three. That's fine. So, three. Okay, so an average um, of four by two by two ish is the yeah. consensus for that. Okay, so what about my, now my six foot Japanese rat snake? What would you suggest? Well. It's different. Pretty, pretty, pretty much. You'd, you'd pre- the pretty same. much want to suggest yeah, but, the same, but, but wouldn't you? Yeah. Which is weird because they're think, two very different animals. Yeah, so then you've gone, if I don't know what a Jap rat is, but this is an animal that's probably two, if three times thinner than the carpet. Yeah, it's a lot more uh, slender. So, you know, be, I don't know, knowing that, possibly maybe go for a three foot wide, but still give it the height. Give it the um, height, yeah. But, but then it's just like, well, hang on a second. Like, yeah, it's but it's just concrete. Yeah. But it's so, just concrete in your yeah. your what you're saying. So think, you know, you suggest in, sort of the same volume. Yeah, something that was brought up in the interview is that enclosure sizes do depend on the individual animal and the individual species, and there isn't an equation which fits all. And I get that. Yeah. And when when I did bring up enclosures, I did feel that I I kind of hit a brick wall, and no one wanted yeah. to discuss it a little bit. And um, you know what, Haas? Just one thing. We just you talking about that. I I was desperate, and it didn't happen for some reason. When we speak to Shane about uh, a carpet python, he said, "Well, they need a six foot long viv." But if you would have calculated that back to say a fifteen foot reeti, oh, yeah, 
then you're going, hang on a minute, then that, that means that you should be keeping in an 18 foot, <laughs> in an 18, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. sorry, do you know what I mean? Or, or a 15 foot. A 15 foot and a 15 foot. So and, yeah. and, I think, and, and yeah. I, I wish we'd have been able to say, and are you? <laughs> yeah, but, I think what it comes back to is people just try to justify things. And uh, this is really difficult. So, this is a very unpopular opinion, and I'm going to get shit for this, and I know I am. Um, mm. And you you do what you need to do, guys, if you're listening to this and you disagree, but this is my own personal opinion of how I would prefer to keep animals. I don't think I have any place keeping, in my current situation, keeping a berm, an afrock, an anaconda, or a mainland retic. I, have no, I don't think I can provide the space it needs at all. Um, hey, you got some big scrub pythons as well that reach, yeah, you yeah. know, some lengths mm-hmm. of like eighteen foot. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that I've, I'm in the position to be able to do that. And I look around, and I think the majority of people are borderlining whether they should or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's down to my moral compass, personally. Um, yeah. but I think you, you need to look outside the box and go right. Okay, look around your room. Look at the different species. Equality, fucking hell, here we go. Equality, let's not get into that. Um, as such, you know, with current circumstances, but are all my animals being treated equally and fair? Have they all got the same space regarding body ratio to enclosure ratio? Have they all got UV, or has that one got UV over there because I like that one more than the other? You know what I mean? I think we need to be, we need to be fair. That's yeah, a weird, way, think, weird, weird way of putting it, but we just need I to be fair. I think you're absolutely right, Hoss. And and I, uh, I'm not allowed to have this opinion because I haven't owned a giant, right? So mm. what I will say was my opinion on giants are exactly the same to all other reptiles and animals, okay? Some people think they have the right to own this animal regardless of them educating themselves, yeah? Mm-hmm. And, and, and finding out exactly what that animal needs. So if you can't provide the correct uh, heating you can't afford to heat it because you know they, they they do take a lot of heating if you can't afford to feed feed them i mean you'll listen in the show on how much these animals cost to feed now if you've got one it might not be too bad if you've got three four the bills start to add up and if you if you can't afford or you haven't got the room to give them a decent enough enclosure are you fighting a yawn I mean, uh, that's what I was wow. fighting. There, there, there it is. <laughs> I that was that. horrendous. I just realised that I had a beer across the room. So I can open that now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I honestly think. Oh, if you... Mike, Mike, shut the hell up. You need to listen to this. You ready? Nice. That was Coke. That was a can of Coke. It's not actually. <laughs> that's a it's very a, distinguished sound. It's Effis Draft. It's in a brown can. Nah. From um, B&M's. I could tell that the can was definitely brownish red. You're brownish red. I totally agree with everything you're saying there, Mike. Yeah, so, so if really you can't do. meet all those requirements, then maybe you should question yourself, should I get one of these animals? The only other thing around, apart from that, is anybody that's having it as a status symbol because it's big and it makes them feel big, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then I won't even well, go into well to be well to be that. well to be fair just just don't bother because um that 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 um uh what's it called when something's um fun for five minutes a novelty a novelty yeah, Danny Wells. Unfa- mm. unfortunately keeping animals <laughs> for that reason 
is a novelty and it only lasts for five minutes. So do yourself a favor, save the 150 quid that you're going to waste on it. Yeah. And probably another three, 400 quid on enclosure. Enclosure. Yeah. Save save yourself all that cash. That, right? That's providing go people get... aren't buying wardrobes and just putting a piece of plywood on top with the brick. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen it. I have seen it. Yeah, go and get yourself a new TV. Honestly, you get more enjoyment out of it. Promise. But having yeah. having said that, you know what we've realised on 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 this episode is people are out there keeping them fantastic. And I've got a large breed dog. Okay. It's not a giant breed, but it is a large breed dog. And I see the negativity towards that dog. And it's absolutely, you know, Fletch is amazing. She's mm. one of the nicest dogs that you could ever wish to have. And, and, you know, you've both have seen her plenty of times and, yeah. you know, she's amazing. But as soon as you're in the park, everybody's like, <gasps> and they've got this, Oh my God. It's a, you did know, you, Mike, did you hear that then? What? Did you hear the big clap of thunder then? I'd, I heard it through your mic, mate. Yeah, God. Through your... Like if I, I, if, I thought if it was we, your ass. Just to let you know, if we start having a thunderstorm, then we're going to have to cut this short because I need to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love storms. But, but yeah, I, I, you know, as we... I, there's people keeping them brilliant. I don't want people to... Oh, yeah, we, we, we are in no means bashing anybody who keeps giants at all. I mean, to be honest, on a whole, most of the people I know, like on Facebook and, and friends of friends um, that keep giants, keep them fantastic. And yeah. and I don't, I don't really, I, I'm not too into that side of the hobby. So I don't see a lot of the negativity. And maybe that's, uh, maybe that's why I'm sort of well, you know, mostly happy with people that keep them, but I don't know. I, I, it's it's not, you know, it's not horrendous. It's just we're more more so worried about people getting into the hobby because people getting into the hobby and, and going, oh, I want the giants, I want the giants, I want the giants. And that stems a lot of urge and desire to breed a lot of the giants. And then that's when we see the market get oversaturated and once the market's oversaturated then unfortunately the rescues become yeah, and there's one thing i do want to add as well i think we need to definitely get a move on and get this interview played yeah. is that doesn't matter what animal you take you know make sure you've got the finances to support it for so, anything so not only, even if it's a dog a cat yeah, whatever it is if you're yeah. buying a neonate animal a small animal that animal's probably gonna need an upgrade and enclosure when you're mm-hmm. talking a giant, you're probably looking at two, three, maybe four different enclosures by the time mm-hmm. it gets to adult size. So just make sure that you're willing to do that. Obviously, mm-hmm. vet bills, it kind of the rule of general thumb is that the bigger the animal, the more your vet bills are going to be. Um, and also, and also, also neonates are cheap and they have small teeth. That yeah. does not last forever. They yeah, get expensive. Um, they you, do bigger poos. Their teeth get bigger. Yeah, if if you want to um, reseed your dinner, then just Google, you know, reticulated python bite or stuff. They lacerate, you know, you need yeah. stitches. Oh, yeah, they, they tear, um, they're horrible. And yeah. if you're not very good at digging, don't get one because the, you're going to need a shovel to clean the, the shit up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, um, um, the, the one important thing as well that we haven't touched on tonight, guys, and I really want to put this out there. Um, we've talked a lot about enclosure sizes. 
you could give a retic an 18 foot enclosure and nothing else and that will still be as bad because if they're not coming out and you've got it as a trophy piece and there's no enrichment in there so you could you know go for a slightly smaller enclosure give it plenty of enrichment get it out more so it's going to yeah, branch, branch branch you know branches foliage yeah. shells climbing so yeah there's and more than one way to skin a cat and again there's a little bit of a yeah, yeah, a little bit of a, there's a fine line between, um, especially when you're talking about big snakes, um, there's a fine line between providing some enrichment in the tank and providing something that's going to get you nailed. And so, do, do you know what I mean? Uh, like you can put too much in the way with, with mm-hmm. a big snake because getting a big snake out of a very busy environment is hard work. One thing I do need to state as well, but when we talk about enrichment, putting branches and logs and you know, foliage and stuff. Just a lot of thought, yeah, isn't this it? Isn't a me lot of thought. Saying you need to keep bioactive. Like mm-hmm. you can keep like I, I keep um my retic in the carpet. I've got a wood chippings like an orchid bark. I've got branches and I've got plants in pots from garden mm-hmm. centres. They're not planted in. I can completely clean the enclosure with F ten or whatever if I need to. Um mm-hmm. You know, we're not saying you have to keep bioactive to have enrichment. And no enrichment, you can let them, especially with large yeah, breeds. It's, it's two separate you can let things. Them out, you can mm-hmm. let them out into your house because you're not yeah. going to lose them, so yeah. they can explore around your house. That is enrichment, isn't it? Yeah. It's different scents, different smells, different places. Absolutely, yeah. And it's it's it, again, again, as you said, it's worth always worth putting something like a couple of branches in in the enclosure just so they can climb because it's very very good for like muscle stimulation and good for their organs and good for all sorts um which we do we do um cover with uh uh dougie and that tonight don't we um yeah definitely um, right, so. Okay. so i suppose on that note we'll get the interview played um hmm. Before we do that, because we're awful people and we didn't do any of our uh, social media and all of that jazz, Mike's going to do it for me now quickly. Okay, if you want to come and help and support our podcast, please head on over to our Reptile and Chill uh, 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 Facebook page. Uh, oh man, I've messed it up. Oh, I hear you <laughs> say that so many we've times. Got, if you want to help support Instagram, our Instagram, just leave. No, we've got a website. Website www. We've got some pants for you to sell or buy. We've got some t-shirts. Danny, uh, one thing we haven't hat. mentioned, have we got any reptile and chill butt plugs yet? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet, but um, I can cast some soon right. if you genuinely want them. Facebook. I wonder, if I, I wonder if I can get like a little laser engraver and put reptile right. and chill on it. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, right, YouTube, at the handle of reptile and chill, www.reptileandchill.com, T-shirts. God, stop talking about butt plugs. <laughs> Reptileandchill.butplug.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, have a listen to. This. And al- although although this podcast is controversial, and I'm sure you probably think we're idiots, the, the the general consensus is we are nice guys. We just are idiots. Definitely. Speak for yourselves. No, <laughs> no we are. Yeah. I'm going to press the play. I like being an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to press the play button on this interview now. Um, before you listen to it, be open minded. Listen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know this is light hearted. Um, you know, we don't mean anything. We're not being nasty. We're not bashing. Uh, We're not like that. Anyway. No, 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 our I mean, opinions will probably change next week. Personal. We don't. We don't bash <laughs> anybody. <laughs> and we, if, uh, if we're you, nice guys. If you do want to keep a retic or a berm or an anaconda, and you feel that you can do it, yeah, you know what I mean. If you feel that you can provide what they need, go and do it. And here, 
hit, maybe hit one of the um, guests up tonight. Uh, on, they, they, they'll all be more than women willing to give you more than women. All, yeah, all more than women. women. <laughs> they'll all be willing to give you all the advice yeah. and all the help that you need, and you know, just, just, yeah, just do yourself the fiver and the animal the fiver. Just be responsible. Yeah. Make sure you're ready for it. Right, on that note, I'll play the. Interview. I'm getting the last word in. <laughs> no, you're not. I am. No. <laughs> right, bring him in. No. Yeah. Mike, the last word. <laughs> I feel like we're ending the podcast. Mike. Love you, bye. <laughs> right, here we go, guys. Right, okay, I think everyone's here. Um, right, let's do a roll call. Dougie. Yes, loud and clear, man. Shane. Yeah, I'm here. Joe. China. Yeah. And China. <laughs> and China. Jess. All present. Good, good, good. Well, first You're thing. in the loo, isn't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm sitting on the pan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can't sit. You're not going to sit in there for two hours, are you? Before we start, right, getting onto the debate, I've got an actual funny story about that. Oh, I was sat on the go. toilet going through something on my phone, like Instagram or something, for too long. My legs went numb, right? Somebody <laughs> rung the doorbell, right? I quickly got up, went to go, and I lost all functionality. My legs fell straight down the stairs. No. <laughs> my legs had gone to sleep, and I just couldn't. Feel my feet couldn't feel the steps, and I literally just <laughs> went straight, straight down the stairs. Oh, is, that, oh. is that why you had to move house, mate? Because you broke the staircase. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. Right, okay. Well, anyways, thank you for your time. Um, I know t- well, this this isn't going to be necessarily easy for us all. Um, there's many different opinions and uh, voices, and this, that, and the other. Um, but we are here tonight. Actually, Danny, what are we, what are we here to talk about, mate? Um, we are here to talk absolute bullshit um, about large snakes and breeding large snakes and keeping large snakes. Right, okay. So whether we can justify keeping them in our personal collection, mm-hmm. breeding and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, and whoever's having a poo... There is a button on the screen that, that mutes your microphone. Yeah. Who, who's doing the deep breathing? <laughs> no, no, no one ever owns up, do they? It Should we just find me. them all? Should we find all of them? Fiver each. That's 20 quid straight off the bat. I thought oh, about it's, probably, it's probably me. Like I'm fucking I'm like really nervous. So oh, oh, that's right. six, six quid. Yeah. Okay. Don't, don't be nervous, yeah, mate. It's fine. Right, don't okay. be afraid. I know you've done a roll call, Hoss. Do you want to just give a quick, brief introduction for the listeners of who, who we've actually got on tonight and why okay. we've got them on? So we'll start with Shane, because he's nervous, and I'm a nice person. <laughs> so Shane, way. do you want to tell us who you are and what your YouTube page is and what you do? Yeah, well, like most people know me, I'm, I'm Shane. you find me on Facebook under Redick Rebel. Um, I keep and I breed Redicks. And I have done for about five, six years now. Um, I started breeding, I think it was about three years ago, and done a couple of clutches. Um, but my main mission is obviously to produce some quality, healthy babies and try and change people's perspective on reticulated pythons in general, really. 
So I started up a YouTube channel for help and advice because quite a few people have asked me to uh, do it. So yeah, that's it really. Just just a saddle with snakes, really. <laughs> Awkward silence. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Aren't we all? I'll tell you what, Joe. <laughs> You, you are really loud when you pour a drink. Sorry. <laughs> Was that a drink? I, I could, I could sure actually... Was she I making actually, a coffee or... No, I, there, was, there was no coffee involved there. I could, hear, I could hear ice going in. There's definitely a short going into a glass somewhere. Yeah. I, could hear, I could actually hear the top coming off the bottle. Yeah, I tried to do it quietly, damn it. <laughs> She's preparing to swear. That's why. I've me 20 quid over already. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. So Dougie, who are you and what, what, what are you about, mate? Well, I'm I'm just your bog standard private keeper. Um I'm from over here in Northern Ireland, so feel a wee bit left out because all you guys are over there. Um been keeping exotic animals for the last twenty years. Um anyone who follows me on Facebook, I have probably quite a, an interesting and vast collection ranging from Various DWA primates, through to smaller snakes, through to the giant species themselves, through to small lizards, large lizards, big tortoise, and now officially then, as of a few weeks ago, we added uh, a caiman to that uh, collection. So, uh, yeah, I'm a private keeper. I, I don't breed any of my reptiles. Um, it's not something that particularly it's not something that I wanted to do as such, but I enjoy keeping them. As of last year, me and my uh, my family we started up. Uh, an educational business there, Jurassic Art Encounters NI. Um, and it's basically we like, you know, what we have costs a fair amount to keep and to feed. And um, we like going out and speaking to people, um, younger younger people, particularly younger people, as well as their mums and dads and other older people. Uh, educating them on various types of reptiles, getting be- getting beyond the stigma that are associated with most of the reptiles. So the likes of any of us that are on this debate and most of the ones that are watching we're already obviously affiliated well with reptiles we don't really have those sort of stigmas attached to them but for other folk that aren't like us there's a lot of concern a lot of stigma based fear stuff like that uh, at the end of the day these animals whether you like them or loathe them they are fascinating animals they're fantastic animals they some of them are an absolute wonder of the natural world and how they do things and how they behave um so yeah that's basically what i'm about yeah as such Cool, cool. Good man. And Joe and Jess, or the double double J's. <laughs> Been called worse. <laughs> you can do this a bit, babe. Oh, okay. Um, so apart from being private keepers ourselves of a multiple amount, um, just <coughs> primarily the giant um, retics, we've got a couple of bath box annies. We started a rescue at four years ago, which at that point we kind of took any snake within reason but it wasn't until last january uh, yeah last january of 2019 that we specified basically just going down for the giants um because we saw where our passion is there anyway but we saw that there was a, a need for it mm-hmm. so basically that's that's uh, what we we do we aim to uh, rehome them to appropriate homes experienced homes uh, we don't rehome to first giant keeper homes um so that is what our aim is to also to advocate for these animals and for appropriate keeping. You know, uh, we want to, like we've rehomed to Dougie. Now, if we can get all homes like Dougie's, fabulous. But we uh, we do try and aim for the best homes possible for each of these animals. Definitely. Right, okay, so let's get a group kind of like 
sentis of what a reticulated python or um or these giant the giants it's not just retic but giants so when we say giant constrictors or snakes we say reticulated python the rock python burmese python green anaconda some of the true red tails as well you know they can get to fair yeah sizes. I, I would i'd say anything yeah. from a bci yeah. up yeah certain scrubs yeah yeah mm. yeah absolutely right yeah yeah and obviously these being larger animals um they need a bit more room mm-hmm. um and it, it, it's a case of like we all i i love Birmingham's pythons reticulated pythons green anacondas have no place in my life because i think they're fucking ugly but each, each oh my god that's it that's it that's the most controversial thing of tonight like tenor tenor <laughs> well they are fuggling they've got, they've got they like shovel smacked heads man wash your <laughs> mouth out really you like them yeah well, I, I like, like yeah I like, time. I like the little slug eyed looking little fuckers <laughs> that, mean, that means that you like sandbows as well, isn't it? I love sandbows, yeah. No, get out of town, man. <laughs> derpy looking bastards. They are proper derpy, aren't they? Okay, oh, so, so, obviously, what we, we're here to talk about is um, whether we can justify keeping these larger animals in captivity. Now, obviously, they take up more room. Um, more room means more space. And we don't exactly live in, well, some of us live in big houses, but the majority of people don't live in these absolutely big mansions so it's how much space have we got to be able to cater for the animals that we have um and i suppose the the, the whole question of this evening is whether we, sh- we whether we should keep them or whether we want to keep them if that makes sense um, not not just keep them though Hoss, but, but also you know for sure how many do we breed you know, who do we sell to? There's a, there's a massive part to that, isn't yeah. there? And again, I just want to recap. I know Mike and Danny have said this already, but we're not here to bash. We're not here to say you can or cannot do anything. Um, but what I would like to promote is responsibility. And if you are going to take on these animals, then you need to be responsible. You need to make sure that you're looking after them and you're housing them responsible. And if you are going to breed them, then you are... You know, selling on or rehoming those animals responsibly as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the, really the, that's the yeah. I yeah think and, what and we need the... to do is advocate for these animals and advocate for a certain standard of keeping as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, so that, which, that which gets. I think we need to advocate for these animals, and we need to advocate for responsible and appropriate keeping for these animals. Yeah, which yeah. which which get the, the thing is. Um, where where I am is that gets hard when the market gets absolutely saturated yeah. by them, um, which obviously you guys can can see because oh, yeah. you run a rescue. You're seeing all these yeah. animals so come into the rescue. We, so shall we start yeah. off with the rescue side of things and the problems that you're facing, the numbers, um, uh-huh. and obviously with you being a reptile rescue, um, having humongous enclosures to cater for them it's difficult when you've got so many of them coming in um so do you want to talk about kind of like what you're seeing and what you're seeing people who are possibly having to give these animals up what kind of enclosures they're keeping them in okay so i actually in preparation to this i wrote down some numbers from (laughs) uh numbers from last from last january someone came prepared 
I did. Oh no! I tell you what, we're, we're gonna. I don't mi- think I've ever been prepared. We're gonna we're gonna minus you one pound for doing your homework. Thank oh. you. <laughs> so, always <laughs> so this is basically from last year, last January to now, we've had a grand total of thirty-two berms, mm. uh, three prog shy. Um, and 62 retics, four anacondas, five afrocs, and 15 others. They could be different species, and usually they're like local ones, like people found a corn snake or whatnot. We've even had miscellaneous. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's I mean, seen 17 months. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. Ross has got his calculator out. He did. He literally <laughs> did as well. He well, just I googled that. Had, I was hoping that Danny could take his socks and shoes off and count on his toes. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, haven't then included. You get 18. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I haven't included Bowies in that purely for the fact that we don't have them come into the house. But that's because we've got Rick and Vanessa. That thank God for them. That they're basically part of the rescue as it is with. So he takes the Bowies on for us. Okay. Basically, have, have you got a number for that? Just out of interest. Uh, no, I haven't, but it's got to be around the 30 40 mark. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. So, if we used to round that off to 150 <clears throat> animals in, in 17 18 months, yeah, it's quite clear to say that there is an issue, yeah. Um, and when you say uh, all these animals, um, these berms, these progs, these retics, and yeah. whatnot, what's the general size of these animals? Are you talking of these all adults or is it a mix? Well. It's changed really from last year. Beginning of last year, you saw a lot of wild type males, um, about three, four, five years old. Now we're starting to see a lot more adult females, um, and the, the morphs that are coming through as well. You're seeing things that were very desirable X amount of years ago, um, and you know that it, you'd never imagine would come into rescue, but they are now. Mm. There are some. You know, a lot of times they're very, very, very genuine reasons of why they've come to us, you know. But, again, it, there's a lot of uh, people that have brought, not really been prepared, and uh, they, they found out the animal's a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, can I ask a question there? Yeah. And you, you, we touched on morphs a little yeah. bit. Um, obviously, I sort of like I've always been into carpets, and yeah. I've seen the morph market in carpets, you know, explode mm-hmm. over the years. And 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 uh, I, I see exactly the same has happened in in retics. Mm-hmm. Um, and and do you find that people are sort of like seeing how much money the some of these morphs fetch, and by the time they've sort of like grown their animal on, yeah. and then think, oh, I can breed it, yeah. the money that they maybe it was fetching i don't know six grand back in its day by the time they've grown their animal on all of a sudden you can get them for 150 200 quid and and it's not viable for them so then they're sort of like absolutely but that's where i think that's where you have to draw the line between ethical breeders and non-ethical breeders back room like you know back bedroom breeders that won't vet homes and they just want to make a few quid you know to buy their backy for them yeah, but if you look, um, think about numbers and whatnot and the finance yeah. side of things, so your average retic has between how many eggs? Is it about forty to sixty, maybe? I I wouldn't has a guess, but that's what I I think it is. I'm not a breeder, so. Well, we we've got Shane. Uh, given a high. Who who who? But a lot. Shane. <laughs> what was that, Shane? Sorry. The biggest the biggest clutch I've seen the biggest clutch I've seen laid was by 
Um, that big 22 and a half footer, I think it is, that we all know who's got that. Um, she laid 68 eggs, and that, that and she wow. was about 20 foot at the time. And uh, that was a mate of mine that had that. At the moment, yeah. you're averaging, I mean, like I said earlier, I've got a five-year-old 10-foot um, male and female. She only dropped 11 good eggs and three slugs, I think it was. So mm. the sizes are different but I think for every animal. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so if we were to take a... So you could, say it, you could say it averages at 20 to 40, but most of them you... you... Say yeah. it again. I think where the big females that we have have started to have coming in, they're all averaging between 15 and 17. We've got at the moment an 18 footer in. Um, now they're going to have obviously the bigger end of the clutch amount. We know that a couple of these were brought for breeding purposes, um, but it's either fallen through because they've bought them as babies, they've grown them on. And either the plants have changed, life has just got in the way or whatnot. Um, but then you've also, we, we find that when we put up, we've got these certain animals, it's like a, a rush to the page of people going, you know, is she breeding age? What hets is she? Blah, blah, blah. They're seeming to like, you know, wanting to pick up the big females ready to breed straight away. Mm-hmm. That must be really tough for you guys when you when you know that, you know, Somebody yeah, could so potentially that. give that animal a good home, yeah. but they only want that snake, you know, because it's breeding age, yeah. and you know you what get, they're going to do. You get messages like, I'll take that off your hand. Can I say something yeah. about numbers? Yeah, yeah, of course you can, Shane. Can, can I say something about last year's numbers on retics? Um, but last year with retics, so, um, I don't know if you remember, but a lot of breeders that had retics of a certain size, certain age, they all sold up. You know, I know I know four or five breeders that sold the whole collection. So, could they be the flow from that? Do you know what I mean? Potentially, I mean, not all animals we can't necessarily trace where they all come from. Um, yeah. So you could have had a spike in numbers last this year. This is this year. Breeders just packing We've up. We've had the biggest and. Yeah, but it's start. I think maybe the breeders that have sold on, and then the people that have taken them on have changed their mind, realise, yeah. you know, um, they're a bit much or they can't provide for them. And then they've just, they get from pillar to post. Yeah. Shane, what do you, why do you, why yeah, do you think these like, people, why do you think oh. these people sold their collection of retics? Well, well, what happened was, well, what I, from what I saw is that everybody, well, not everybody, most people all got up and they all crap their pants about this animal activity license that was being brought in. So the bigger yeah. breeders that were doing the bigger clutches, making more money, then got scared that they were going to get hit with this AL, and then they couldn't meet the guidelines for that, and then they've obviously tried to disperse of all their animals as quick as they can, you know, and then you're seeing the fallout now. Wow. Talk from, about a negative, like, uh, a negative fucking... <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's terrible, this is, isn't it? This is something... Um, we talk about enclosure sizes. Um, this is where we start to get into the da- dangerous territory. To be to be honest, that's a whole other debate. That yeah. is. Um, <laughs> now, if you've been listening to our show, and obviously the listeners who are listening to know my stance on enclosures, I keep enclosures that are fairly larger than what most people would when um when they're not temporary enclosures, should I say? 
Um, now, with these guidelines and this kind of thing, it makes it really difficult. So, say for instance, we've got a six foot carpet python. What would you guys recommend for that animal to be put into? Personally, six. we do it down to the individual animal. Or we try to, with our own stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's, I think, with the AAL, that's, that's you, you miss the grey areas of it. Yeah. They miss the grey areas. So if we, if we can talk through the, the actual AAL first, and then we can then go on to the individual and kind of like how we modify that to suit individual animals and characteristics and whatnot. But so if you had a five-foot carpet python and you don't know the animal and, uh, you know, you're giving some advice, what size enclosure would you recommend for them to have? Uh, who's that to? Anyone? A anyone, yeah. <laughs> Personally, we would recommend... I'd, I'd say six by three. So a six-foot carpet python? I'd put in a six by three. Okay. Yeah. I think if it was, okay. I think if it was coming into rescue, I, we. No, no, no. no, if, no if I'm going to be, uh, that's fine, Shane. Because what we'll do, if I'm going to be, no, yeah, but let me. Let, sorry, yeah. I just want to be. I don't, I don't understand any other snake or any other way a snake will live or survive apart from from retics. I only know retics, so I'm only going off, you know, sizes that I think would be appropriate, but. Mm -hmm. yeah, I can't, and, and, yeah, I can't comment on other snakes per se because yeah. I've got no well, experience with For example, with them. What, we've got a uh, scrub python, a little Maruk, a little one, adult at, what is he, seven foot. And he's in a boreal viv that's three foot across, two foot <coughs> deep and four foot high. Um, and being very, you know, he's not massively active, but we put him in that initially. Now, if he shows that he needs to have bigger space than it would be given but um again I, that's what the minimum we thought to then test how he's going to behave on that okay. but as we say to everybody bigger the better 100 percent. so going by the aaa stats aal standards a six foot carpet python should be kept in a 4b2b2 however with the review on the aal they're taking out the height uh, requirements. Yeah, and and height's quite important. Yeah, for a lot of species. Yeah, for 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 anything that's semi arboreal or arboreal, obviously that's where you you'd rather have a bit more height um to 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 give them that 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 being that ability to climb. Yeah, but under also, the AAL, also, it's such a broad stroke where they're just saying snakes. It doesn't mm -hmm. take into uh, consideration account. everything else. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's also it's also worth remembering that that what Shane has uh, suggested there for a six foot carpet python should have a six by three enclosure. Actually, that's a, a lot of people would argue that 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 should suffice because that animal can stretch out completely yeah, in that yeah. enclosure. And actually, that's that's I mean, realistically, re when we're talking about realistically, um, it's actually quite a good size. Yeah, I, I was, um, to, to be honest, that was bigger than what I would, I thought he would have recommended. Yeah, um, and I'd be happy. I, I, I recommend every viv should be. Sorry, I'll, get, I'll just get on one me. Sorry. No, no, carry on. Carry on <laughs> no, yeah, crack on. No, I, I, I recommend whenever whenever building vivs because obviously you've all, you've you must have seen my vivs on on Facebook or on YouTube mm -hmm. if you've had a look. I make all mine out of OSB, and I recommend to everybody that's going to build a viv. 
to like minimum standards or what, whatever you want to call it, that mm-hmm. it has to be three foot deep for a reed kick. Yeah. Anything shorter than three foot deep when they're touching the sides is just not right. Mm-hmm. So all these four by twos people have got out there and stuff, it's not, I don't agree with it being four foot deep, uh, f- two foot deep. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Unless you've got a tiny little baby, you know, yeah. that you're going to put in there like a little yearling or something. But mm-hmm. anything over a year, even super dwarf size, I, I wouldn't put that in anything less than a three foot deep because it can't sit there all curled up nicely. Do you know what I mean? Instead of being squashed. We found some um, of our guys and a lot of the rescue guys prefer deeper ribs. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I don't know if it's a security thing. Yeah. Um, but we prefer to go. Well. We can, like you know, um, get older than we go for as many three foot deeps as we can because mm-hmm. they just seem that's to, I build to settle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, again, that's that, that that boils down to the species, doesn't it? I mean, obviously, a retic will sit um, quite happily for hours on end in in a in a big coil, um, and and if you're talking a 15 foot retic, that's a fucking big coil. Yeah. So three foot, seven... so three foot depth is is necessary, really, isn't it? Yeah. Otherwise, they're just yeah. going to be pressing up against the glass, yeah. which actually well, is just dangerous. S- one thing I, I would say, 17 t- foot one. I don't, I'm sorry. Go on, go on, go on. I, sorry. I, I, I can't help it when it comes to talking retics. I get like just on a mission. Um, one, one I had a 17. Thing. Sorry, go on. Yeah, carry, one, carry on, Shane. You got the mic. Yeah. I had a 17 foot uh, white albino up to a couple of months ago. Right. Yeah. And my plan was I, I've, I've had to move house twice and set up snake rooms twice. So it took me twice as long to get all my vivs to how I wanted them. And my last house, I just put up a new snake shed and I was ready to build walking in, a walking enclosure for her but unluckily I had to move because the landlord sold the house so I had this 17 foot retic in a 8 by 3 viv now she was all right she was okay but I noticed she started pushing right only towards the last couple of months so I had to rehome her because I'm not going to get my walking viv done quick enough to get her in it because it weren't fair because she started rubbing and pushing mm-hmm. so three foot deep is all right until you get past 15 foot you know then you're then you're looking at something else i think yeah. it depends on the animal as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah i've got the other end of the scale as well mm-hmm. i've got a little anthrax male he's seven foot mm-hmm. i can stick him in a four <coughs> by three and he'll push like mad i can stick him in a six by three and he'll push by mad i'll put him in an eight by three and he, he's perfectly fine yeah so it, it is like you can go from one end to the other you see yeah. it all depends like you say on the snake and same with I've had males that I've got in that are, you know, not small enough to go in a 33 litre rub. But if I don't put them in a 33 litre rub for two days before I feed them, they will not eat. Dougie, I know you was going to come in then, Dougie. Um, be, be interested to get your take on this. I know a lot of people know you for, for your big elaborate um, uh, cages for, for, for your animals. Um, uh, and you've got a, a fairly decent size retic. Um, do you want to talk us through a little bit about how you keep how you keep yours, Dougie? So the first thing I'll the first thing I'll always say is in relation to designing any viv or enclosure, you know, it's not about just how big the enclosure is. You could have a massive enclosure, length and width, and height as well, possibly. <clears throat> but it's about how you utilise the space within inside that enclosure. So if yeah. you've got if you've ended up with a huge enclosure and it's just grass and maybe a bit of vegetation, there's very little branches anything out there. You haven't made the most of that enclosure. Mm-hmm. You know, so any vibrant enclosure that I always do, you'll see that I decorate it out with branches, different overhanging areas, 
lots of stuff like that because I want to utilize as much of that three-dimensional space as possible because that allows that animal then to physically get up off the ground. It allows it to move in different mannerisms. It's not just stand put in the ground or raising a certain amount of its body off the ground to have a look. It's able to use a lot, a lot more space. It's a lot more three-dimensional and it gets muscles and body tone, stuff like that working. And it's, it's enrichment for the animal as well. So like I said, it, it doesn't always boil down to exactly how big it is. To me, it's more about how you make use of that space and how well you utilize it. You know, I don't have any hides per se, as in I don't go to the reptile shop. I don't go to a shop and buy your Exoterra hide. Um, I don't buy, obviously with the bigger snakes and stuff, it's very difficult to buy hides. People will use flower pots. They will use rubs. They will use all sorts of stuff with mm-hmm. cutouts for that to be a hide. I have no hides for my animals, no hides at all. How I create my hides would be very similar to the way it would be in the wild in relation to branches in different directions, obscure branches in places, foliage over the top, that sort of stuff, so the animal has a place to retreat away to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just my general way of keeping it. I've adopted that sort of method from I was 10 years old when I got my first snake um, off a reptile shop in Belfast. Um, and I was always about how can I make this look as natural as possible. Now I do it the same, even recently there with my with my caiman enclosure. You know, one of the things that I done with it was try to take the concept of what that animal will be doing in the wild, which is would be they're obviously quite secretive. They like to move around without being watched. So therefore to utilize the most out of that space because a DWA in Northern Ireland for a caiman is the hardest DWA you can get. A tiger DWA or a lion or another big cat DWA is a lot easier actually over here to get right. than, a, than, a, than a crocodilian one. So there again, I used stuff. Oh, where's he gone? <laughs> oh, he, he said oh, he was going okay. uh, to drop just, off, didn't he? Just, just while, whilst, whilst he's, he's, he's dropped off a little bit, um, <laughs> I, 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 I absolutely agree 100% what Dougie just picked up on there. A lot mm-hmm. of focus is around the size of the enclosure, um, but you know, there's so many arguments for and against different sizes, but you could have a giant enclosure with nothing in, no enrichment, um, the snakes never let out, um, and then you could have a smaller enclosure with lots more uh, areas for it to climb, um, uh, you know, it's it, it's got out of the tank on a regular basis, it's given the house to explore, um, there's so many different ways of, you know, it's not all about the size of the of the tank. I absolutely one million percent do agree. Um, I mean, obviously, um, you, you you do have to be careful about the size. You know, they need they need to be able to stretch a bit. You know, um, ideally, um, but having perches, branches, um, sticks, and leaves, and whatever else for them to move around in um, is not only good for um, what do we call it? Um, sort of mental stimulation um yeah. it's actually really good for physical stimulation as well um being able to like uh climb things like physically climb onto perches um and climb up and down them is actually really good for their for their bodies um it's, also, it's good for organs and stuff Dougie's, like that some of Dougie's animals you look with that is that they are big animals and they are solid, but you look at them and you can see all the muscles, the nice contour, they're fit animals yeah. because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. You're welcome. That's only saying that because she's got one of ours. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, it's absolutely she, right. But using her as an example, when she came to us, she was a big girl, mm-hmm. but she had no substance to her. She was, it was more fat than anything, but you look at her now, 
She's a transformed animal. She looks fit and she looks athletic and she's on the go all the time mm-hmm. and not like having bursts of speeds and then sitting there going, oh, God, OK, then, you know, catching a breath and going. It's it's definitely I think sometimes it's got to be quality over quantity as well. Yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Shane, I'd be interested yeah. to ask. Um, I, I, I see quite a few posts where Dougie's got his 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 retic and it's it's going up the stairs in the house. Um, uh, sort of like your collection. At what size uh, is your collection, and 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 what do you sort of like do with your snakes for any enrichment or, or you know uh, exercise? Well, what I, I take mine outside. You know, we, we go outside every opportunity I can. If it's sunny and stuff, we'll go outside. I take a few pictures and stuff. Um, but with the new unit going up, um, I, I spoke to my mate. He said he, he said he's going to help me do it. But we're going to make, you know, like uh, you posted a video of Churchfield's one outside, that enclosure he's got outside, with like chicken wire around the outside. And we're gonna, I'm going to have an outside enclosure. Yeah, that's Crutchfields. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, here, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm going to try and replicate something like that adjoined to my shed. Mm-hmm. So and I've got a big walk-in div going in there, so they're going to have like shelves and climbing things. But at the moment, I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I when I first started, I was led to believe that like keeping in rubs and on paper was perfectly fine, and you know that's that's what you should do. Yep. So for the first few years, whilst I was keeping a raisin, I was raising on paper and a water bowl. You know, it weren't till I started looking into it and looking at my snakes and I just thought to myself, well, there must be something else I can do while I've got them in these six by threes and eight by threes. Mm-hmm. Even the baby rubs, you know, putting a baby in a rub with a hide, a water bar and a bit of paper, you know, that's that's in my eyes, that looked a bit boring, you know. So I've got um, in, all, in all my 12 litre rubs for babies, I've put PVC pipes going across. So they've got like climbing perches and stuff over the water. So like little PVC pipes I just got from a local DIY store and I screwed them in uh, in the side of the rub with screws just so they, they like hang in the middle. But they're loose, they're not fixed. So when they climb on it, the poles turn. So hopefully, in my, my thinking with that is when they're trying to climb up it as babies, it's going to build their muscle tone mm-hmm. so and keep them active that way. And then in the, the other vivs, I've been doing the same. I mean, I've got a super dwarf now sitting on three um pvc pipes going lengthways across the vehicle so it'll go like four foot across the four foot ones and stuff and then in the bigger ones i've because i work in a garden center now i found um you know like them half logs you get to build mm-hmm. fences yeah yeah I've built a frame and like a ramp and like space that's going to space them out so then it's like up and over sort of things for them to climb on and climb through just until the new walking exercise vibs up but i mean my kids are my kids are all over this as well. So they'll come in and they'll get babies out and they'll take babies away and hold them and let them climb through their hands and take them outside. I mean, I'm quite lucky. I live in like a village. So I've got a massive garden with like big fences and it's only my mum next door. So she doesn't mind if one goes over there and stuff. How (laughs) many animals have you got then, Shane? Who, me? How many have I got now? Uh, Hang on then. One, two... (laughs) Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, eleven, twelve that are mine. Yeah. So, but four, five, five of them are super dwarfs. Yeah. Because now, with obviously 
with all this mainland stuff going on and stuff. I'm I'm the same as everybody else, really. I mean, I love a mainland, don't get me wrong, but over the last year, with that big 17-foot girl that I had in that viv, it made me rethink my direction of where I want to go with breeding, if you know what I mean, as such. So I'm trying to get the cool little morphs that I like into super dwarfs, so then they're much easier for me to keep. That's something that Chaz from Snakes Dad has brought up. He uh, he had a post up the other day. Um, I can't remember what he... he, uh, Titled it as, but he was basically on about reticulated pythons and that kind of thing. Unpacking so, the retech. Yes, that's the one. So, that's so something that he put in there was morphs being hybridised into super dwarf varieties. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think you know what I'm. I'm not into morphs. I've never. It's not really my game, yeah. but I can see the appeal. Some of them are absolutely gorgeous. So if we can get the mainland retics and make them smaller, <coughs> so more people can enjoy them, then I'm all I for. See, that. I- that's a good yeah, idea, that's, but how that's, many that's clutches are you going to produce to get to yeah, that goal? hundred percent, and it's the cannon fodder behind it. That, that's well, the, this, the issue. This is how it. It depends how you're going to do it, though. I mean, if you're if you're doing say recessive morphs, yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing anthrax. Anthrax is my favourite morph. Now I only breed snakes that I want in my collection, right? So I, I don't do it for anybody else. Whatever's left over, if, if you know, if people want them, then that, that's down to them. But if I take my pure mainland anthrax and put it to my pure Kalatoa female, there you've got fifty percent super dwarfs. So okay, so let, let's talk, if, let's let, talk sizes. So the anthrax is that a male or a female? That's that's a male, and he's seven, nearly eight foot. Right, okay, and how old's that animal? That is two thousand and sixteen. Right, okay, yeah. so four years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the female. The female's 2013, and she's pure Kalatoa, super dwarf, pet annery, proven breeder, and she's no bigger than eight foot. Right, okay. So, this is where people get confused, you see, with, if I said a retic to somebody that isn't aware of super dwarfs or or how it works, they automatically think, oh my God, you're breeding them big, massive snakes. But really, it's not, if you know what I mean. Yeah, okay, yeah, so and uh, like uh, we know a lot of it, and uh, some of the listeners may not, but um, we know a lot of it's down to sort of like locality of yeah. of the animals, right. and, so and, and you've but, got a four year old. Um, so I'm I'm going to talk like this as if I'm stupid. Well, I, I am stupid. Yeah. So you've got a four year old male reticulated python. Now I've seen posts of people having four uh, one year old male reticulated pythons being five six foot. So yeah. what's the difference? Let's talk, you know, just for argument's sake. What's the difference between that animal and your four-year-old <clears> seven or eight-foot male? What, what, what's the size difference all about? Well, it, it all depends in the animal itself generally as well. So it's like people. You're not as tall as me. I'm not as tall as you. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you've got that side of things. You've got the side of things where I know when I first got into retix, I was told, to feed my retic a good meal every seven days, right? And I had a female that was nearly touching seven foot by a year, year and a half. So it's down to the, the feeding and how heavy you're going to feed that animal. You know, some people like to feed big to grow and big quicker. Some people underfeed them and then you get a poorly animal and, you know, 
they're just no good for anything. Uh, I but think it you also... can get a poorly animal both ends of the spectrum there, can't you? Oh yeah, 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 you can get yeah, but you, you can get yeah, you can get both ends. But the the main thing you've got to look at as well is prey items, what you're feeding them. So for males, because I like because well, males are meant to be long and slender. I normally use say quails, yeah, for feeding males and the odd rabbit or the odd guinea pig or something like that. So they get the nice lean sort of meals. Do you see what I'm saying? Is that so not my... like calorie controlling though? No, because it's still it's still mixed variety, you know. So they will okay. get a rabbit and they will get a guinea pig. I mean, they've got ducks. I give them a bit of everything. Do you know what I'm saying? Like people will feed females solely on rabbit. You know, I won't. I'll feed them on rabbits. I'll feed them on ducks. I'll feed them on guinea pigs. You know, people use pigs and lambs. I, I don't use them. I, I could use pigs, but I think pigs they have too much fat on. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, so, I would, so I, I would, I would disagree in relation to certain prey items. I mean, is it okay? It's okay for me to speak, Dan? Is yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of people have seen what I feed mine. Um, my biggest star, Lord P, he had a, an adult male fox, um, a couple of weeks back, and then he took some hands about ten days later. My other ones are feeding on, you know, foxes, hens, lambs, um, you know ban these commercial rabbits continually from feeders, no matter what size the rabbit is. I would prefer to feed something that's wild. So I would, um, you know, the fat content, the content there would be a lot less. And um, that animal's been running around, it's been active. It's been eating quite a wild natural diet. And, um, you know, for me, I'll always try and use the wilder option. Obviously have them froze first of all for a month and then defrost. But that, that would be the way I would sort of go down that, that aspect of it. But with the difference feeding. with you, Dougie, though, is that you're, you, the calories you're putting in your animals, they're being used. I know we've, uh, there's been certain posts that yeah. you've tagged me because people have accused you of power feeding. Yeah. But what people seem to, they, they see these big obese, like sofa slugs, berms, for example, yeah. seem to be, you know, sort of the, uh, the victims of that. Yeah. Um, and they are big power fed sort of things but with Dougie specifically is that if I didn't know how he kept I'd go oh my god how much are you feeding that animal but the calories going in has been expended on the other side of it you know I think if variety is, is always good you don't like certain animal like our big OGC that she's 18 foot she'll only eat rats yeah and yeah, so no that's 10-15 ago <clears throat> and you're like Holy yeah. crap! It would be easier to. I think you've just got to feed them appropriately, you know. Okay, so it's, uh, how, how much is that costing to feed her a guy then? Uh, if we brought from, because we uh, are friends with a house of venom and they give us trade, God bless them. But normally it would be about fifty quid every four weeks just for her. Right, okay, sell it. Wow. Let, 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 let's go on to um. The life of a, a retic keeper, um, what it costs to keep these animals. Um, so let's not talk. It about might be, might, sorry, Hoss, yeah. I didn't mean to. Just before we do that, it might be interesting to find out because Joe and Jez, they obviously rescue, but they've also got a private collection as well yes. of retics. Yeah. So, so it's probably worth everybody sort of like getting a feel of sort of like how many they keep as well in their private collection. <laughs> right. So, of our own. Uh, we have uh, 36 retics of our own. Six of them are super dwarfs. And we are male heavy. We've got a couple of jamps as well. Um, 
We are 22 males and 14 females. We've got a couple of Afrox Annies and a Scrub Royals and uh, whatnot. Uh, luckily, um, we uh, are friends with local gamekeepers. Like Dougie said, it's we prefer the wild court bits and pieces. You know, the the, the rabbits seem to be like chocolate covered crack for retics, especially if you've got ones that are underweight or they're problematic or whatnot. But we probably spend about oh, four or five hundred a month on food. Wow. But that fluctuates yeah. obviously with you know, if we get uh, we've got a lot of small retics, you know, so they're on jumbo rats downwards, it's obviously gonna be a little bit more expensive because we only pay two pound a rabbit normally. Um, uh, we get gifted a lot as well, but that's that seems to be on average, including the rescue. We usually got back between 60 70 animals in the house, so it's about yeah, four to five hundred pounder a month on food. Okay, and yeah. obviously, you are still ever so passionate about retics, yeah. And you specifically, I mean, we've mentioned a lot with retics, but we, you know, we don't want to forget about you know, the giants also include berms and and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's where the passion is, is with retics. Okay, and here's a funny old question for you, and you probably mm-hmm. know this is coming. You love them, yeah. And having taken on this rescue, yeah, do you still think you would have as many retics as you do if you'd known the current situation and how things have panned out? Right, since the rescue, and we we've uh, like diverse diversified just down to the giant our opinion has changed dramatically um as me and you Hoss have discussed it before um because of our how our attitudes has changed would i've brought by now what i did in the past no but they're here now we'll adapt our life around these animals you know it's it's where we are focusing on breeding and how much they're putting out, but we also can't forget about the animals that are already out there, you know, that have been bred. Um, there are responsibility, you know, we've, uh, we've, uh, it's, it, the ripple effect on the whole family is there as well. But it's our responsibility. We will, we ad- we've adapted as we've been going along. And, uh, you know, it's, unlike Dougie, I would love to, have these big walking bits and pieces but unfortunately we can't do that but we will do the best we can for them now they're here but no I wouldn't have as many if I knew kind of if I knew then what I do now no basically you know if we are advocate for these species they're amazing animals there should be an honor to own not a right at the end of yeah, the day. exactly, exactly. And 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 something that we we had Dave Willis on last week's um, podcast, and it was really interesting. Some of the things that he said, and the one thing that I thought about during that show, and and, and I mentioned it on that, and I'll ask you guys, was if you was only allowed to keep one giant constrictor, what setup? What would your setup be like? Would it be different to what you are keep? How you are keeping them now? Personally, it'd be retic, um, yeah, and it would depend on the animal. We've got some animals that you could use in a, a big walk-in enclosure, but then we've got other animals of our own that they would be a liability for their safety, for the keeper, and for the animal. 
You know, mm. you don't want to hurt the animal wrestling one out that's above head height on a branch. Yeah, and, and you know, that's a really, really good point. Mm. And I have heard in the past as well, certain animals uh, respond differently when they're put into more of a, a naturalistic enclosure with lots of room. They quickly resort back to that sort of like, I don't know how they would respond yeah. in the wild. They, they, they will be a lot more defensive, which yeah. obviously... Territorial and defensive. Territorial, yeah. We've yeah. got one um, that's uh, called... Uh, who is it? It's Dave. And in the very is lovely. But he got out one day. We say they go on holiday because they're in separate rooms. You know, we kind of we if they get down behind the, the stacks, we can't move the stacks out. But usually wonderful, calm natured, fairly predictable. But when he got out, he was up high and above you and he was a different animal. Mm-hmm. Straight in the corner and it was defensive warning. And if you'd have put your hand up there, you'd have been mm-hmm. in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um but then we have another one that we you'd expect that behaviour from, and she was good as gold. Again, it's one of these grey areas, is that people <clears throat> need to adapt to the individual animal. Mm-hmm. So, it so, comes down to do, reading body language and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, I mean, you've got to understand these animals before you get into it. You know, I've got, I've got an animal, sorry, I've got an animal that in the viv, she's fine, in my hands, she's fine. As soon as she touches the floor, yeah. she's an arsehole, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And I don't like using that word with my snakes much, but she can be a nightmare. And yeah. she got out one day, yeah, yeah. and it's, that was fun. It's, but... mad, it's mad as well. So I am a, um, I had a retic years ago. It got to a certain size very quickly, and I bottled it and was like, I can't keep this properly and got rid of it. And I'd like mm. to think that my mindset and me as a keeper, I'm two very different people now, mm, now yeah. and then. However... Um, there is a reticulated python in my bedroom at the moment because of two certain <laughs> individuals. Um, You're welcome. And it's only it's a super dwarf because I know my limits. Um, it's interesting because their body language is different, that the way they act, and it honestly, I, I open the viv and it's like, hello, I'm here. What do you want? Mm. Yeah, very switched yeah. on, would you say? Yeah, no, very no, switched no, on I've, animal. They're I've very kept, misunderstood. Yeah, I've kept scrubs. Yeah, this retic comes doesn't just look at me like a scrub would. It comes over to me, and it's half it's half out the viv. Now it's not being aggressive. It's literally like a child going, "What you got for me?" And that's mm, where yeah. we found with rescues, with a lot of uh, young sort of rising two three-year-old animals coming in that people bring them saying it's aggressive it's aggressive where it's actually as i think shane just said body language is, is that is actually that's just a food response yeah and that's misunderstood. So misunderstood can i can i so mad can i um really, really mad can i get the opinion of the quiet one over in the corner who's just listening really like silently <laughs> um dougie y- yes. you obviously keep these big um sort of elaborate enclosures which we 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 can all agree are you know absolutely fantastic for the animals but what is it like for the keeper like like joe just said you know um sometimes you don't want to be wrestling a 15 foot retic above your head because it's 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 not clever so what's it like on on that on that side of things for you um so yeah i'll start this off quite honestly i've been keeping retics now about three years and before that i I'd always had burmese and stuff like that retics were new to me about three years ago um initially on some of the groups by certain 
um, keepers who had kept for a few more years than that used to sort of almost make fun of me as such that I didn't have experience and whatnot in relation to the animals and that sort of thing. Now I keep quite big, big, big retics, to be fair, um, especially a big, big male, Lord P there. Um, you know, I go in with these animals, I remove them out. I never wrestle with them. That's the main thing behind, you know, my drills. I have a very strict and very safe set of drills that I've always followed. And I always treat my snakes, my retics and stuff as hots, almost as venomous in the viv and the enclosures. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the rule that I live by there that I don't want to get bit. In 20 years, I've never taken a bite off a snake or a lizard, um, which I'm quite proud of. Um, and for me, when I go in, it's initially reading that animal's body language. It's breaking that animal's feeding response. Um, you still hear me okay? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. Fine. It's, it's, it's breaking that animal's feeding response. Um, and what I do with that animal, especially the likes of Lord P, there, Lord P, 17 foot three, he's seven and a half stone, he's athletic, he's strong. Mm-hmm. You're never going to win a fight with that animal trying to haul and pull him out, it's not going to happen. He will trail you around the place. And he's an athletic, strong, big boy. So, for me, what it is, it's getting that animal moving. I want that animal to start moving once that animal's moving. And um, I can see how its behavior is while it's moving. It's, get, it's getting that animal moving for me. And when I get that animal moving after the feeding response is broke, I can assess that animal's behavior there and then while it's moving. And Lord direct P, it. Yeah, direct it. So Lord P, for instance, all my retics will arch and buck. Um, Lord P, for instance, whenever I get him moving, the first thing is he'll do, he'll turn around and he'll come straight up the branch towards me, straight at me. Um, and I'll direct him away from me. And then I'll, in a roundabout way, I'll work him around and get him to come back towards me. And then I'll lead him almost out of the enclosure and then I'll start to lift. If I try and grab that animal or I try and wrestle with him, it's not going to work. He's either going to trail me in, he's going to send stuff flying, or worst case scenario, I'm going to piss him off and I'm going to get bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how, I, you know, he'd be my biggest. And he's, he's a big, big animal. Um, the likes of Pandora there, who I got from Joe and Jez, is uh-huh. quite, a, quite a sweet lass. Um, can, everybody, can everybody hear me okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so she's different. Um, she will arch and buck just like them all, but she's not as forthcoming towards you. So she's not too bad, although she's a lot more grippy, as I would say. She likes to anchor herself on a lot more than the others. Um, tiger Lily, there, who's my 15th female tiger, she is, as I would say, Satan inside the enclosure. Um, she is so switched on, she's not aggressive. That's the difference. She's not aggressive. She is just highly switched on, highly food motivated. And she will she will strike out before you even get near her. Um, and she's an animal that you need to make sure the food and response the feeding response is well and truly broken before you get her out. Um, but I have never once in all my years of keeping, whether it be retex or other snakes or lizards, I've never once had an animal where I haven't took it out, regardless of its behavior. Yeah. Uh, I've always got them out. Maximum time. Uh, you know, about five minutes, and I can have any of my retics out. I think that's yeah. key with some retics, though, is that we say with our lot, is that I swear that they are smart enough to know if you let them away with certain behaviour, yeah. is that if like Jez is uh, Ivy, it takes a good between five and ten minutes to get around because yeah. she knows what your next move is. I swear, you know, you really have to work with her not against them. I've spent spent 15, more than 15 minutes on some animals getting them out just Mm. purely because they, as Dougie says, you have to read the animal and Mm. um, there's some animals you can work with a hook, you can direct them. 
you think their feed response is broken or you know they've they've sort of moved on but as soon as you touch that animal they'll turn yeah and as soon as they do that your hands off and you start reassessing again and it's safety for obviously myself but also the animal i don't want that animal sort of hitting a a heat cage or a log or the glass you know it's your hand my yeah, my hand on a cage. Yeah. yeah experience a positive experience with these animals absolutely it is it's a joy getting them out because you never know what's coming and it's you know yeah they keep you on your toes you learn that animal if you don't learn that animal then they'll take advantage I think what I'm, what I'm, sorry what, guys what, what i'm picking up on off all three of you that keep um you definitely need a, a fair bit of experience um to start working with these animals you know really a lot serious. of new keepers well a lot of new keepers would read into a lot of those actions as they're aggressive and they won't work. know how to Thanks spend that time well, that's yeah. how what, we've ended up with them in rescue yeah what, uh, absolutely. what's that shame sorry uh, my very first snake was a retic. Only, do you know what I mean? I, I bought a retic as my first snake, and it spiraled from there. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it comes down so, to to safety. It comes and down to a willing. It, it comes to a willingness of you putting the time in to research and 100%. grow with your animal, mm-hmm. and take. You, you, I, I've been keeping these animals for a good number of years now. And to this day, I'm still on YouTube checking out like Garrett Harding's videos, nerd yep. videos, picking up tips and advice. I picked up a tiger pie last year and she, she was a bit aggressive. So I'm looking on the internet at tips and tricks that other people have put out there yeah. to help me work with that animal. Mm-hmm. I, get so... people, I get people ask me, oh, I've never, it's my first retic, will I be all right? Well, you, if you've brought a baby retic, right? Say, say it's one of mine, yeah? I tap train my, my retics from the very first meal till all my retics are tap trained. I mean, I've got four young kids, so it's all got to be safe. But if you take a retic, say one of mine, it could be anyone else's, I don't know, but, you know, one of mine, and you have a baby and you start it as a baby, whether you've got experience in big snakes or not, you grow that baby up with you, you keep doing your researching, you stick by someone like me and ask for advice and help when you need it, and you can grow yeah. perfectly together. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's I that's the ideal, but unfortunately, yeah. that's not always the realistic got, side I've got of it. Guys that message me that bought snakes off me two, three years ago, yeah, and they still message me to the day for help and advice and tips. Yeah, and but that, that's, that's and, providing that person keeps in touch yeah. and actually wants to listen. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, there's. There's a few people out there that have got bollocks bigger than their dick, and they buy oh, these yeah, animals. Definitely, and... definitely. I'm not saying it's everybody. It's just most of the people I I know who keep retics and are into retics. They're all they're all like me. You know, they're they're all passionate about these. They all bring them up. They all try their best. You know, it's it's and then you do get the the not so good people that seem to highlight all the facts. You know, we see it the other day. We see it on Facebook on that on that video of that stupid woman. You know, that one yeah. right up, yeah? You get them idiots that take the limelight and show the bad side of things more than you see the good side of things. Do you well, know let's face it, for shock value, that will garner more attention. Do you know what, as well? It's ever so funny you mentioning that video. Um, that video one, really uh, uh, up. A work, a work colleague who I don't sort of, like, speak to outside of work messaged me personally and said, 
Mike, what did she do wrong? Everything. And I said, you, you could see right from the start there, as soon as she opened that tank, that, that, that all tip. it was doing, yeah, no, no, no use of a hook just to touch it. No, no, you know, right it was so switched on. It was, it was a hundred percent looking and for food. Even my, obviously... even my mum messaged me that and went, stupid woman. <laughs> there was a rodent rack in the background. Yeah, I think that's what it comes Come down to is that actually, when we take on any animal, we need to understand what that animal is and what its behavior, yeah. what its natural behaviors are. Now, again, I'm I'm still learning. I'm a, I'm a complete rootic noob, and I don't even know what arching is. You guys keep saying arching. I I haven't seen it yet. I don't know what this is. I'm, I'm yet to learn. I don't know if arching for Dougie is different for arching for me because arching for me is my males wanting to breed with a female, rubbing herself up against a viv. I don't know if that's the same with arch, uh, with Dougie's arching. If he, that's what he's on about. I don't know, but but, but so, so basically what I'm trying to put across is before we take on any animal, we need to realise what we're getting ourselves into. We need to be doing our research. We need to put, you know, and being honest with ourselves, you know. If I'm going to take on a Burmese python, yeah, it's a baby now. I brought it from whoever. Yeah. When that animal is, I don't know, 14, 15, 16 foot long, what is my, where, where is it going to go? Am I still going to be yeah. in this house? Like Shane, I don't mean to pick on you, but in the last couple of years, you've moved twice. You've had to rehome yeah, a 17 foot twice, animal. Yeah. And um, but I, I, when I moved, I made sure I moved to a house that had the room to home the animals oh, in that I'm in. 100%. But at so, the same time, you, you've had to rehome one of those animals, and yeah. it's a total pain in the ass. You know, like so my, if you look at my instance, I have a house. I had a relationship breakdown, and I, I had to come back to my parents' house. Now, the animals I had were fairly easy to rehome. If I had a load of mainland retics or a lot of big, bigger species, that'd have been an absolute pain in the ass, and I'd have been basically begging Joe and Jess to help me out. Yeah, um, but that's where you got to see. That's where I, I'm lucky. You see, because I've got quite a few good friends that keep big animals like I do as well and have these big spaces. So that comes down to as well as, as your circle of friends, should I say. So this guy quite happily said, I'll take it for you. And, you yeah, know, you can have it back in a year. Yeah, so. but at the same time, we should we should always look in the future as well. So like, say, for yeah. instance, yeah. Um, we live in a, um, a one-bedroom flat and a reticulated python probably isn't the best animal to have. No, no, it um, wouldn't, no. You know, yeah. However, it can be done. Yes, it can be if you are willing to kind of make yeah. those sacrifices. Um, but having a room full of them, you know, or, or one in a smaller enclosure where space isn't exactly, um, you know, well, there isn't much of it. I mean, well, we have a lot of that is people, they can't afford upgrades or it's got too big. So, it's, you know, they've come to us um, again. But that's down to research. But also, it's what type of research, where you go to it, who you speak to, because, you know, you can put a post up looking for advice and you'll get so many different types of, you know, contradictory comments about how you should keep them. Oh, they'll be all right. Oh, no, they're monster animals. Oh, you know, um, you know, they're not the ideal first snake. Oh, no, they'll be all right. It depends where you get that information as well. And the individual themselves. Ooh, yeah. And it you also know. comes down to, I know I know I'm a breeder and, you know, I'm here to discuss the breeding side of things, but it also comes down to the breeder being 100% honest with the person that is taking that snake from them. 
Yeah, I mean, that is definitely something that we wanted to touch on tonight, Shane. And, yeah, and you know, how do you go through that process? You know, you, you've, you've got a, a clutch, um, you know, a number of animals that are going out to new homes. How do you sort of like vet that? How do I? Well, if somebody, the best way I can vet somebody is always, I tell everybody, they, they will ask me the questions before I get a chance to ask them. If they're really serious about it, they'll be asking me. You know what I'm saying? I don't yep. want to. I don't want to put that out there just in case somebody hears this and then they message me the question <laughs> and I think that you know. So they they no, will but... message me or yeah. I get. I mean, I, I've refused to sell people retics because I've had messages like, "Can I um, buy your cheapest retic, please? I don't have a lot of money." And I, I message them back saying, "Look, sorry, um, when this retic gets older and you're putting thirteen pound, fourteen pound into a rabbit just for one meal, how am I going to know you're going to be able to afford that and look after my animal? Because at the end of the day, all my babies." They may be babies, they may be looking for new homes, but until they leave my house, they are pets. So I've got to make sure everything is right for them. Some guy messaged me as well, and they said, we're looking for a retic. That's all you get. All you get is, I'm looking for a retic, what you got? Well, my response to that is, can you tell me what space you've got? And then we can go from there to decide whether you Ooh. want a mainland, a dwarf, or a super dwarf. Well, yeah, the, the fact that they just found the word retic as well, it's just like, yeah. well, what, what retic? Um, it's better than when you get someone messaging going, what snakes have you got? <laughs> or, what? and you're like, you can't spell snake, you're not having one, sorry. <laughs> I, did a post, yeah. I did a post the other day on my, on my retic rebel page, right? And I put it out there, and... My, my, like I said to everybody, if you're thinking of getting a retic of any size, or even if you're on a mainland, my door is open. You can come to my house. We will get the snakes out, and then we will decide from there whether you can handle a mainland first, or you need a super dwarf. Because I've got all three. I've got mainland yeah. dwarf and super dwarf, so we can we can compare and see from adult sizes what size you're capable of. Because I could say, oh, I'll have a mainland. I'll be all right with that. But then you don't realise how strong. A 15, 14, 13 foot retic is. Yeah. Yeah. We've had that something... a few times coming down to the rescue. Someone's had, they're like, they've had big bowies and they're interested in a berm or retic. <laughs> they might not necessarily look into adopt, but we've done it a few times. We were saying, look, come down, can we get your hands on them? They've got in their head they want a retic, but they get actually get hands on and they're like, no. Well, you know, I've got all the time yeah. in the world for people to you know, to come down to us and to do that. I'd rather do that than adopt out something small and then come back in a, a couple of years because they've yeah. gone, not for me. Because let's face oh, it, yeah. retics, for example, they're not for everybody. And I, I did the same with DWA with Venomous. I thought I wanted to do it. I got involved, went down to someone's collection to, you know, to have a play, so to speak, and then realised it wasn't for me. I don't want this responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, I honestly think us and, and and everyone that's a really important thing you know anybody coming into a new species before you buy it because you've seen lots of posts about them and you've done all your research is get a little bit of hands-on go and see somebody there's enough people that you'll get to know through the facebook pages that will absolutely 100 percent be fine with you coming down asking the questions getting them out handling them and then actually thinking shit Mm-hmm. I've read all this stuff about them. I, I think they're fantastic, but but now, yeah, a hundred percent. It was something. People. It was yeah. something you just shared. You mentioned Garrett Hartle earlier, yeah. um, Shane, and the one thing that struck a chord with me, and he said people come to him and speak to him about um, wanting to a retic, and what he said was, "You tell me 
sort of like everything about you, the home. And what we'll do, we'll pick an ideal animal for you uh, as an individual rather than just going, oh, yeah, I love this morph. I love this, yeah. uh, you know, it, regardless of the size, I just want one. And I think that's really, really, you know, an yeah. important thing. Yeah, instead I've, of picking one off the shelf. I've, I've yeah. had a guy come to my house and we've gone through a couple of babies that he was looking at. Um, he took it home and he said, "If you know, if anything happens, can I can I get it back to you and, and we sort stuff out?" I said, "Yeah, that's fine. I'll be with you all the way, mate. Don't worry." A week later, he messaged me and he said, "Look, mate, I said this this retic isn't any good for me. Um, can I bring it back?" And and I took it back because at the end of the day, it's my my snake. I made it. I've got a responsibility well, yeah, to keep hold of it. Yeah, you've got a duty of care to yeah. do. Well, we've that. had that yeah. with the rescue of animals return. Yeah, and we like you know applaud those people that will go look. It's uh, one thing or another. Um, it's had yeah. to come back. We're like fabulous, you know. That's yeah. exactly can what I, you want. It's better, can it's I? Um, better than you can I? Sorry, it's better that 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 happens that it ends up dumped or on a park bench or. I don't like want. That. I don't want my snakes going into Joe's rescue at the end. Can of the I? Day. Um, that's, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. Can I disagree Me here? Though? <laughs> like, <laughs> can I disagree <laughs> with someone here? I'm sorry, yeah. I've dropped out for ages, and now I'm just going to bring the controversy back. <laughs> I I personally think it's fantastic that you guys hold that duty of care to your animals once they're sold on, and and I applaud you all for it. Any breeder that does that is fantastic, and and I actually believe that really every every breeder kind of should do that. But actually, I I, I do disagree, and I don't think you you do have a duty of care once you've sold that animal, and someone else has assumed. Um, care of yeah, that but animal, then yeah, it actually that, it's there. That, 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 that then shows you the difference between the type of breeders that are out there, the ones that don't give a shit about their animals or where they end up to, to the ones that absolutely you know, put that work in. Oh, 100% agree. I've got 100% agree, but, but there should be, in, in my opinion, an element of responsibility oh. for the person that just bought it as well. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. surely they're being responsible by offering yeah. it back to say I can't. Do you know what I mean? That's their level. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a thousand ways of looking at it, but but yes, yeah. like Danny, Danny, it's great that you take it back. But I would yeah. rather not see my animals get dumped or plastered on Facebook or going from home to home. I'd rather just take them back. Yeah. I mean, I've had a absolutely. I've had a guy message me saying, look, I've had some bad circumstances at home. Um, this was a year after buying a snake. This was from like a clutch in, in 2017, 2018, one of, one of them ones. And he said to me, he said, look, I know it's been a long time, but if I get the snake shipped back to you, will you take it back? And I said, yeah, I'll take it back. It may be yeah. a year later, but, you know. Well, we I'll had a situation that we got called locally to go and pick up a uh, help ID and another, res uh, another rescue, took a load of bowies. And we took Rick, which we know he, he breeds high-end bowies with us to go and ID these animals for him. And when he was there, um, mm. he spotted an animal that he produced two or three years before, which were like a world first sort of thing. Mm. And it absolutely broke mm. his heart. He, he knew, you know that it, the possibility is there, but he instantly was like, right, yeah. it's coming home with me and it's going to stay mm -hmm. with me now. Regardless, with he could me, have yeah. like, you know, sold that on or given it to someone he's you know yeah, I think trust with it but he, that really, yeah. that's where you see the difference with the breeders he was really quite yeah, affected by that yeah and like can I be controversial Danny can I be controversial here as well hang on, hang on. sorry can we <laughs> Jez, Jez has been trying to get a word <laughs> in edgeways for a little go. while go on Jez right Danny you, you know hmm. obviously you've got a different 
slightly different opinion. Mm. We, as a rescue, look on it slightly differently as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in generally, we won't rehome a retic to a first retic owner. Mm-hmm. Um, we take these animals in. We can assess the animal over a period of time. Some of them are here, you know, for twelve months plus. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get a good gauge on them. But for us, if we're going to rehome a particular animal that's uh, acts in a particular way, we want to know that the keeper's right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do we get that right 100% of the time? No, mm-hmm. because, you know, we, we go on what they say, we meet the person, you know, yeah. 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. But we would rather not take a risk in putting an animal that potentially is come back. Um, not high risk, but is difficult to read, you know, yeah. into a, into a, into a come situation back, yeah. that is as bad as it maybe it came out of. Mm-hmm. So for us, yes, we will always take that animal back. Yeah, I think what I I think what I was trying to get at was I, I don't I don't believe that the responsibility once that person that's purchased it has had enough of it for whatever reason, I don't think the responsibility should fall back on you. Although I do absolutely agree with what you guys are doing and and I would do the same. I would absolutely do the same. If if, if someone bought an animal off me and said, hey, dude, uh, this animal isn't for me or, you know, uh, uh, my landlord's just fucking kicked me out. Can you take the animal back? Of course I can. Yeah. 100%. I wouldn't even think yeah. about it. It wouldn't even be. Uh, absolutely, I can. But I, I, I do. Uh, but I just feel like there should yeah, be. Yeah, I, I agree with you as well. Someone buying an animal has that responsibility. Yeah. And, and I think how they are lacking that. That's, created that animal that's a big reason why we get the animals we get because people don't realise the responsibility they're taking on, the length of time, the, the money it's going to cost them. Mm-hmm. Should, we you talk, know? should we talk about the money a little bit? So I think got, Dougie was trying to say something yeah, controversial so, there. Yeah, Sorry. Dougie wants to go and then I'm going to just move <laughs> yeah. on a little bit. Can, can everybody hear me okay? Yeah. No, yeah. We, we can't yeah. hear you at all. No worry. <laughs> <laughs> no worry. Let me know if I do drop out. Um, about 20 quid now. Oh, probably up, yeah. Um, no, on a controversial, on a bit more of a controversial side of it, um, breeders you know in relation to breeders it's admirable when good breeders do want to keep a track record of where their animals do go mm-hmm. and offer the support of the animal coming back however i'm always quite a cynical person i have been most of my life and i would say it is not possible to keep track or know where an animals went 100 percent for every animal that's left the premises mm-hmm. um and there's other breeders that obviously don't care about that whatsoever um, the, the problem that I sort of have and look at is I see so many pictures time and time again on Facebook of retics locking and possible clutches coming and clutches coming here. And when people speak about the retics, about you know the, their passion and their pets and they're breeding them, for me, I, I couldn't breed them and I wouldn't want to breed them, but I couldn't breed them personally and ethically because I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't put my faith 100% and that that animal is going to stay there or I know where that animal is going to go or that animal is going to end up dumped or it's going to end up in the likes of Joe and Jez's rescue putting them out of financial burden of trying to find a home for it I think we we find that with certain animals like we've got one in at the moment that was dumped up at a shop um, she's about 16 foot and she is a liability she's uh, I'd say retics aren't aggressive they're reactive but this girl would make you think that she's just born a baden. Mm-hmm. She will. She's never going to be in a pet home. We would never place her in a pet home. 
because we wouldn't feel comfortable. And to be honest, we don't want it on our conscience mm-hmm. that something could happen. So she, we, she's got a time where we're going to try and get her in a placement where, like a zoo placement if possible, which has been done in the past. But if not, then you have to look at it realistically. Because still, mm-hmm. I, we feel that they're still our responsibility even when they've left. Yeah. In and the I mean, regards, you know, so, you know, then you look Joe, at a point of what? Is, is, is there a point in, in, in it, when you're rescuing certain animals like that and you know you're not going to find a home, does euthanism ever come into that? Or is it, right, we're going to have to keep this animal uh, for the rest of its life? Um, and then, let's this, be real about it. No, we have to do that sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And we've, me and Jez have spoken about this particular girl. Um, and she's got a, uh, a, like an expiry date on. If we can't place her in a, in a zoo-like setting or a setting that it's hands-off, is that she, we would look to have her put to sleep. Uh, would we keep her here? Now, if we were both, I'm 40 next year. Jez is 50 next year. Now, she's <laughs> at least, she's a, say even if she's 10 hopefully she'd have another 10 years this animal's big strong fast could we handle her over safe safely over the next 10 years we're not wanting to keep Mm. her in it we could get her a big viv like bambi 14 foot by uh, four deep but she's going to sit there and rot and progressively get worse you know her quality of life then comes in can you not work we we've had her for three four months she um she will tolerate up to two or three minutes of you handling and then she uh um she's then very quick to react the switch yeah yeah yes uh, and, and that's then that's quite it, dangerous that yeah. is isn't yeah. it yeah but things like that they 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 do take a lot of time and a lot of work to to come round, you know, oh, we, I, I I've worked with a wild agree. caught I mean, Sula. You yeah. know, we got a wild caught Sula what two years ago, I think. Yeah. I think it was, and that took that took a hell of a lot of work to get that yeah. in and out of view before it actually come round to the us. Difference with us because she's in rescue; she's not her own animal. Yeah, now we look at it that's is a that big difference. if we can't you, you place her responsibly, that. it's not so much time. But if we can't place her responsibly, mm. and she's going to have to stay in that viv for the next X amount of years, that's a space where an animal or five in that year mm. can take up and we can rehome. Yeah. So say her. if you're gonna if, if you're gonna give her a time limit and it gets to that time limit and you haven't yeah. rehomed her yeah. and you have to put her down, yeah. Would you then consider like giving her to someone like me to take on and look after? Potentially. Do you, do you know what I mean if I had the space, say yeah. when it comes to that time yeah. And you said to me, look, we're going to put this animal down. Now, I could yeah. take, I could take, say I take her on. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm only, I don't breed all my animals. I, I, I'm only concentrating on super dwarfs. So she, yeah. she wouldn't get bred. Do you know what I mean? I'm, no. I'm not that sort of person. No. But I, I mean, should that, imagine, that's... I should imagine Joe and Jez will have to do some, you know, oh, real absolutely. in-depth vetting yeah. of your Shane. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've got nothing this... to hide and I've got right. nothing to prove. But I mean, I can, if, if I had, say, Say I've got my new unit up and I've got the space, yeah. and it comes to her six months, seven months down the line, getting yeah. put to sleep or coming to me. Yeah. 
then I would I would quite happily take that snake off your hands. Well, you've said it How now. It's been recorded. You can't I mean, take it back. Yeah. So, no, so, I, for I, I, record, that's one hour me. 31 minutes <laughs> into Reptile and Chill. Episode I would rather help somebody out than have an animal that's got perfectly another 10 years left to her because I'm only... I'm only 32, so I've yeah. got plenty more years I left. Think, you I know. Think, no, I understand I you, that, and it's not a decision we'd ever take lightly. It's yeah, taken yeah. a lot think, of soul I think the other part searching. of it is as well, and we all know the kind of people who are talking about it, I'm not saying this is you at all, but some people go, oh, I'll take it on. Yeah, I can handle that. And you yeah. jump in the deep end. So it is sort yeah. of, if you've got an animal that bad, now I know Joe and Jez and their capabilities and with, with handling animals. So if they're telling me or telling us that this animal is a gobshite, then the animal is a gobshite. She's a liability. She's, uh, she's, she's, she's 15 foot. She's 15 foot. But she's also a good 30 plus kilos. And she's not fat. Yeah. So she's she's, but she's not fat. Yeah. She is, uh, she's a big, big, strong girl. Yeah. Yeah. And she yeah. will, when you're, when you're working with her to get her out, she will brace herself. Yes, I, I think, I think yeah. it, yeah. against everything. It comes yeah. back to yeah. something that I want to just to go back towards Dougie's enclosures now and safety within enclosures and working with animals. You couldn't put her in one of Dougie's enclosures. So this again, this is what, this what I wanted to bring up. So Dougie, your enclosures are absolutely fantastic. Thank they're you. Full of enrichment and they're very beautiful. However, I don't think. Oh God, this is really difficult <laughs> to say because I like your enclosures. It's not your style of keeping isn't for everyone. So if you've got someone who doesn't understand how how that snake works, isn't perhaps um, as mobile or as a um, into their personal surroundings and whatnot, then your enclosures could be quite a dangerous place for someone if you've got a retic or a berm or whatever animal that is switched on. Um, like you've said earlier, that you work with your animal to get them moving to come out of the enclosure. You've learned how to work with them. But if I yep. went into the enclosure and just pick said animal up, we, we then end up in a struggle. It bites me. It constricts. It's got forty-eight thousand branches around to now pin. It, 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 you can see where I'm going <laughs> yeah. with this. Yeah, no, I can. Yeah. So yeah. From just before we move on to kind of like keeping the ticks and the, you know, the food bills and that kind of thing, it's all good and well wanting to keep these animals and having, you know, these massive bollocks and this, that and the other, or having, you know, suitable enclosures with all these, you know, with all these branches and enrichment and this, that and the other. Sometimes keeping an animal in a slightly, um, how can I put it, plain enclosure, we're still having some enrichment might be safer for you. So then you need to start thinking about is this animal right for me and can I give the animal what it needs because my abilities as the keeper perhaps aren't um, there because of maybe age or um, for whatever reason or whatnot. Um, so again, just being responsible, open-minded and whether you want to keep something or whether you can keep something. Um, can, I, can, I, can I answer that, can I? Or that... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree a lot with what you said there. And I think the question at that point then, because you know, I'm not saying everybody should keep like me, I'm, I'm not saying that for an instance, um, but I think the question then boils down to with these particular animals, particularly with particularly the pythons, and obviously their size and their strength and their you know, their capabilities haven't changed any in 30 years than what they are now. They're still capable of the same damage and the same degree of danger at times. Um, but I think it does boil down to what I've always said, which is, 
just because people can keep them doesn't mean they should. It's, it's not a right for every single person to be able to keep one of these animals. And to me, that yes, there needs to be a degree of safety, but there also needs to be a degree for the animal and the animal's welfare. And if you're subsidizing on an animal's welfare quite a bit to keep yourself safe, then to me, that's not an animal that you should be keeping. 100%, I agree with yeah. that. I think I'm also, struggling. it's not just the safety of the keeper, it's the safety of the animal as well. If you're trying to take out an animal that's spazzing out completely when you've got fixed logs or whatnot, they can do some amazing damage to themselves anyway they, as they, well. They can, yeah. they can literally, I, I, I had it uh, with, with a young boa, died. it was quite a, year, quite a few years ago. This was a small animal. It spazzed out, hit a bit of court bark, and it was like, oh, well, that's, that bit of skin's gone. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know I mean? we've yeah. literally yeah. just had yeah. that with one of our white lip pythons. Oh, no. We're usually hands yeah. off with them anyway because they just don't benefit from them, so benefit mm. from handling. So we'll try and get out for health checks, and mm. halfway out, she just threw herself around. And where she's got branches for climbing and all decked out, she's led, she's ripped like a little V shape on her, mm. and you're like, oh my. Yeah,ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ、ああ
my electric bill for every three months now. This isn't this is before actually the Cayman came along, so it's going to be worse. But my electric bill for every sort of three months is in around fourteen hundred pound. So it is, Ouch. Um, and that's because it's my choice to keep these animals the way I do. Therefore, I have two thousand watt convector heaters that are pumping up ambient heat temperatures. When you walk into an area, you feel like you're in a different country. Um, I have spotlights, par thirty eights and stuff, and UV that are on timers. Uh, the likes of the spots are on dimmable thermostats. But even with that, there's still a big amount of money being spent. So there is um, feeding wise, I'm not actually too bad when it comes to the big the big snakes because I've worked up quite well with local farmers and gamekeepers in relation to getting wild caught or stillborn stuff. Um, and and that and that's helped me out greatly. If I had to feed them, you know, yeah, that would cost me more. But financially, I could still do that. It annoys me, and this is this is where I'm going to touch onto this, and it's maybe straying a wee bit off the subject, but I think it's something that needs said. It, it annoys me when you see different rescues or people wanting to be rescues or people claiming that they have stuff that's rescued. The collection that I have, some of it's rescued, some of it's seizures, some of it's confiscation, some of it's rehome. But there's other people that do this and are constantly crying out for money. My yes. basic principle, my basic principle is with this side of the hobby. If you're going to take an animal on, you need to make sure that you can fundamentally and financially be secure for that animal. It's not up to you then to put out and expect the public to pay and maintain your private collection or to maintain your rescue as such. Joe and Jay is there, to be fair, you know, aren't on it all the time. The two of them work hard. If you notice every one of their animals, bar one, which I think has maybe got a medical reason, but every one of them is on substrate. They're not putting animals on newspaper or astroturf. You know, they're spending the money on the animals to keep them well while they're in a rescue. I think people need to look at rescue sides of things too and those who are keeping I think and at the end of the oh sorry sorry I was saying going from that is that I meant there was a conversation between myself and another rescue that they uh they trying to put out a post on the importance of donations and I made a comment is look it was our choice to start this so you you know rescues need to be financially viable on their own you know uh yes donations and support is wonderful but finances play a big part in uh, you know just keeping or like you know on the rescue side it's an expensive hobby if you look at it it is really you know so you've um, got to be financially viable yeah exactly yeah. and I mean I mean for me with what I do obviously I'm a private keeper you know I, this and this isn't against breeders or Shane or anybody because Shane's in the podcast but I'm not breeding my animals I'm, I'm not making money effectively off my animals we started the business a year ago in relation to education, which helps us, you know, towards our animal costly bills. But prior to that, you know, none of our animals have ever made us any money, if that makes sense. So, you know, for keeping reticulated pythons, you know, depending on what you're keeping, a lot of people will start off as a baby. I can honestly say I've never owned a baby reticulated python, nor have I any desire to own one. The smallest reticulated python I've ever owned, that I've ever got, was my first one, which was 11 foot. Um, and now I'm up to sort of, you know, bigger sizes. But people need to realize when they're taking this animal on, you know, it is a financial burden. You know, you're not going to reap loads of money back from this animal unless you're breeding to sell to make money. And that's something that, you know, at the minute we should be curbing and we should be regulating a lot more as a hobby. Yeah, You don't really yeah. that much money, though. Through, through, through selling babies, to be fair, by the time you've put your money back into what you're doing, unless you're breeding, say, 10 females and having hundreds of eggs, you, you ain't going to make any money really at all. 
there's still money being made, though. I would oh, say. Oh, yeah, there's you know, still. At, there's at the end of the day, people people wouldn't be doing it if there wasn't. You know, I'm. As, oh, I'm yeah, always very cynical. Like the, the way I look at it is, right. say for instance, I've got four uh, four snakes, right, whatever they are. So I've chose to have them as pets. So I've bought the vivs. I've got substrates. I've got thermostats, bulbs, this, that, and the other, because they're pets. I then breed them. So I've already decided that I'm going to have these four animals. So now I've got two females, two males. And let's just pluck a figure out of the air. So one of them's a reticulated python, and they go for... And they're just mainland, so what's that, they're £50 each? £50, £60 each? Yeah, yeah. you could get them for 60 but now you're looking at 80 <laughs> Right, okay, so 80 so they're quid. They're going up now. Right, yeah. okay, so 80 quid, um, and I get 20 in a clutch. And then I have um, Burmese python. How much is a, a, a bog standard Burmese python these days? 75, eighty. Well, what it used to be, anyway. So, <laughs> so 80 quid again, and then you get 20 again? Yeah. Right, okay, so in those two clutches, I've made, what is that? Um, 40 times 40. 1,600. Yeah, so in those two clutches, uh, you're looking at, what what three thousand two hundred pound? Yeah, you you'd be looking at you'd be looking at, uh, yeah, my maths isn't the hottest like, but yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe about sixteen hundred forty. Yeah, sixteen yeah. one thousand six hundred. Yeah, sixteen hundred. Is that per clutch? No, per, no. for both clutches for both together. Clutches. Okay, so yeah. I'm talking. So about how this. much money? So if you if you've chose to breed, say a reticulated python, yeah, how yeah. much money has that cost you to get that to breed? Right, okay, let's, uh, let, let, let's talk it from the, from, okay, I'll carry on. So you've got, you, you've got two Burmese pythons that are bred, that you yeah. sell them for £80 each, and there's 20, 20 of them. Then you've got reticulated pythons that are the same. So they're £1,600 a clutch, that's £3,200 that you have got in your, in your hand or your bank account or whatever from your four pets. So you've already decided that you were going to keep those animals, feed those animals, and nurture and look after those animals before you bred them, right? If you yeah. bought them to breed, and it's a business, then you should be licensed by AAL, yeah. um, and that's a whole different kettle of fish altogether. Yeah. But you've yeah, still got £3,200 in your, in your Skyrocket that you've got from your pets. So if you put that money back into it, and you say, right, okay, well, let's... Um, it's got the animals are going to pay for themselves. So that those four snakes, how much is it costing you in that year to keep them alive? Not not that much. Not that not yeah. three thousand anyway. Yeah, <laughs> two hundred quid, three hundred quid. So you still. It, 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 the, it, I know what you're saying, but at the same time, you've got a. If you're using that money to say put back into your snakes, then you're looking at making improvements to your snakes that you have bred so you're looking at making new enclosures you're looking at stocking up on food you're looking at maybe building a baby rack to house the babies and you're yeah, looking but, at the but, heating to, but you're, you're, so all that you're talking money talking to the, the osb king here you know i mean mr osb yeah, all, queen all mine are made out of osb and, you know it's not it's not expensive <laughs> but the, no. the g the g4 that you buy to paint is expensive the 100, glass 100 percent, 100 percent. but you look great yeah, but and, and also it, the, 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 there's also the heat years. there's also yeah. the heating bill um, and and if I'm honest with you, the the, the costs we're talking about are hardly, you know, that's not a lot of money for a lot of snake, is it? I mean, is that a problem? The fact that they are so cheap. However, to buy? where you're you're mentioning like wild types, then people have diverted. You don't see a lot of clutches of wild types unless they are like het 
something fancy fancy you know so it's you know it, you're not going to be the clutches that are coming out now are of, of, of animals of a lot more worth to be honest well you know you're using the base amount of like 80 quid for a wild type but you're going to go 200 300 well you know you look at uh god we can ask the question. We can ask the yeah. question, Shane. You know, got, what was your got, what was the last clutch that you bred? You know, you, you, you got the first. The, well, the ones I've got now, the ones that are yeah. due to hatch, right? I've got ten eggs that are perfectly fine at the moment in the last twenty six days, right? So that comes from my tiger pied female. So for a start, there I'm going to have normals and tigers, yeah, all hundred percent head pied, okay? Yeah. So now the fun part is. I use two males, so I haven't got a clue what male is what. But if the anthrax male is bred to the pied, then at the same time I'm going to have double het pieds and anthrax. So I'm looking so what at maybe the cost of that for a normal for a normal double het. I'm thinking 150 quid. But at the same time, I'm keeping three of them for myself. So you're yeah. looking so to produce visuals, seven. though. So what would be the difference in price if they were like visuals well, in, of what in, you're going for? In visuals. If I was to yeah. make a visual anthrax pie, I wouldn't have a clue, to be fair. Yeah. People say about the, the, the retic market and, you know, it's crashed and it's this and it's that. And you'll find a lot of people that have bred, tried to sell, found it hard, will be the ones saying that it's crashed and whatever. But like I say to them, I, I don't look at the general market. I go off what I think the snake is worth to me, what my time, you know, to help the guy out to get it and all the aftercare packages. So that's how I price mine up. So Shane. I might be undercutting myself or I might be overpricing myself. Shane, I can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, so if you're going to sell an animal with a het. Yeah. Uh, and you're, you will advertise that animal as having a het or a double het. Yeah. Does that... Uh, only appeal to people that are going to attempt to breed. Uh, in, well, theory? Well, in theory, yeah. But the way so, mine, are, the way these are working now is obviously this was a project set up for myself to start with, so yeah. to make visual anthrax pies. Then I've got friends that want to be on the same project, so they're going to be taking some as well. Do you know? So yeah, okay. But in, in terms of in terms of advertising something with with hets and uh, you know it's almost I, I don't know whether it is I'm, I'm just aimed for sort of, breeders I'm just sort of pie in the sky here is it sort of almost self perpetuating a, a cycle of bringing in new people who think ah, I can make some money out of this mm-hmm. and then you well, start the you, yeah you can look at yeah, it anyway point, you can yeah. sell you can say to guys like I saw a leucistic snake right yeah and I absolutely, I fell in love with it, right? And, you know, to that day, I wanted to make myself a leucistic snake, but I was not spending 10 grand on that snake because mm. I didn't have 10 grand to spend. So I bought two animals that can make that snake for myself. So yep. you're looking at people that maybe want anthrax, but can't so, afford to buy so anthrax. Let's, we'll buy... let's track back just a little bit. So those two animals that you bought to make the leucistic, those two yeah. animals, when you breed them for the first time, did they create the leucistic or did you have I didn't to... breed them because then later on, as I found out, leucistics, they sort of like die. Okay, so, so let, 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 let's, take, let's take that out of, um, out of context for a second. So if you used to breed yeah. those two animals, would it have made the leucistic straight away? The two, yeah, they would have made right it straight okay. away. So you, you would then end up with a um, 
Okay, this is more of a moral argument than a financial thing. Yeah. So you, you the, end, the thing is, you end the thing up is with thirty. If you, if you end up with thirty reticulated polytons or twenty or ten, and yeah. you only want the one, yeah, you've then got to find nine homes. Now, this isn't me saying that you shouldn't breed or whatnot, but we're talking with an animal which potentially can get sixteen, seventeen, eighteen plus feet, and yeah. it's adding to the market. So. By you saying, well, I want this animal, I don't want to spend this money, which, to be honest, I ain't spending 10 grand on a snake either. I'm, I'm with, with you in that boat. Yeah. Um, by you wanting to cheat the system, so to speak, to get to get that animal without paying for it, you've then created all these other little giant lives. A problem. A problem. Yeah. So um, you're saying that we, uh, so we brought I, two retics to make cow. Yeah. So I, 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 think, I wasn't going to... My personal. You've got to think, right? When you say, when I was a new, when I first got my first retic and I, I started getting into retics and stuff, I was talking to a breeder. And to, to start off with, um, you get sold that this big dream from these big breeders that, yeah, you can breed this, you can make this, you can do that. And then you see that and you think, yeah, I'll get into that. And then you get into it. And then as you get into it, you, you develop things for yourself like projects for yourself and then you start seeing the things that weren't shown to you before like obviously the 50 other people breeding them animals and stuff like that you know so then you've got to start looking at changing the way you do it so then this is why this took me from mainlands now to super dwarfs so i'm going to make still make the same animal still make the same animals but i'm going to make them in miniature size with a miniature clutch i think that and less animals on the market i think that's um more morally correct personally yeah. But the other what I was trying to say before, saying if you had these two mainlands and you're going to make this leucistic, um, this leucistic retic, and you're going to end up with say twenty other little giant lives, for yeah. me personally, that's irresponsible. Now, yeah. each to their own horses, of course, is more entitled to do whatever we want. But this that is adding to the problem. But by then you saying right, okay, well I still want that animal, I don't want to do that, but I'm going to do it in super dwarf. The problem is, how many clutches does that take to get that animal super dwarf? Well, it, it will take two. But if you look at a super, if you look at a super dwarf clutch, you, you're looking at probably eight, maybe ten okay, eggs. This so, is why super dwarfs so are so. In the, in the process of getting, I, don't, I really don't mean to pick on you with this. And this is literally just a mature discussion. No, it's fine. I don't, I don't yeah. mind. You know, uh, I'm, to, to I'm get, all in for this. To get to get that leucistic super dwarf or <clears> that lo- that super dwarf type, because technically, you know, be a you know yeah how many little tiny giant lives have you got to create to make that one snake that you want to make one well this is where you've got to look at it now you, you would make say if you've got super dwarf she averages at 10 so you look you, you look at 10 club so you're looking at 19 to make one <clears throat> yeah but, but that's over that's over a six-year period then you've got to look at, at the same time whether you're going to get all eggs and they're all going to make it through incubation. Then you've got to hatch the babies, and then all the ba- all the babies yeah. have got to make it through incubation before they even go on the market because you can't sell a baby straight out of the egg. Yeah, but can you, 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 you see where I'm I'm going with this? That you've 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 had to, you, yeah, I know to be able saying. to be more morally correct. You've had to make yeah. more. See, and it, it's like with... I said to Danny. It's like I said to Danny on messenger the other week. I mean, I'm I I don't do this for the money. Right? I've got a good job. You know, it pays my bills. The snakes. I breed these animals to make cool animals for myself and it helps obviously with the running cost, right? So that's that out of the way. I can take my female that normally lays 40 eggs. Now, because of the way the projects work, 
with the female, you, you need to have more than, like the beardy rule, two eggs. You need to have more than two eggs to hit what you're trying to get. So say you incubate 10 eggs. Now I'm more than, I'm more than happy to start something off where you only incubate half the clutch. But then what's the point if you're trying to get something yeah, so you to might create have, it? You might risk... have to repeat that pairing four times to hit what you need. Then you've made four well, times better behaviours you... than you'd have needed the first time. It, it, depends, it depends on what genetics you're putting into it. So let's take, say, let's take a normal and a tiger. Yeah, some some yeah. are guaranteed, that's the yeah, thing, isn't it? Yeah, you've got yeah. some, you've got like a one in four yeah. chance, you know, but if you're playing with recessives, it's something else, you know? But to, to so, get that guaranteed pairing to produce what you want, would you have to, like, kind of produce a couple of litters to get the parents that will guarantee what you want? Does that make sense? Well, it, it's, it's, again, it's, it's genetics. Genetics, it, it's hard. It's yeah. not hard, but if you don't understand them properly, it's, it can be a bit confusing. So let's say we take, we've got a tiger and a, a tiger male. So you've got two tigers, yeah? You pair them together, you're going to get super, you're going to get like a one in two, one in four chances. 50-50, isn't it? Hitting super tigers. So if you inc if you get 10 eggs and you incubate, say, five of them, you get, you're going to most likely 98% chance hit super tiger in one of them eggs. Can I can I just oh, can I can sorry can I just ask though if you're only going to uh, incubate half of them and let's be honest about this are you as a breeder really going to risk picking the wrong half you're going to do you ever incubate uh, half of your clutch or do you incubate them all I've and, never, and at this moment in time I've never incubated half a clutch but yeah I do know guys out there that will incubate half the clutch. I, I know a couple of guys that have done that. Yeah, and I, I think so, that's all. I, I think that's all good and well. And saying like a couple of guys are willing to do that, but a couple of guys is it the problem? Is it you know yeah, how many yeah, no. python breeders or Burmese python breeders or whatever are out there? But again, um, you've got the different type of breeders as well. You've got yeah, the ones that want to buy adult females ready to go, ready to breed without actually putting in their time. And yeah, but you uh, get the breeders that slap fifty percent dwarf on stuff that are, are mainland, you know, and then people three years down the line are, are stuck with a. Of mainland male because, but it's meant to be super off. Do you know what I'm saying? It's it's them yeah. sort of people you've got to so, try so and get round. How how do we how do we manage that? And well, I know it's a really hard question, yeah, but is. I'd like to get your thoughts. All of you, you know, everybody who we've got on the on the show tonight. What is your thoughts, and how can we manage this better so that the market's not getting flooded? with uh, morphs it's not getting flooded with yeah. really how, large how, animals how can we be more responsible how, how can look, we look, look, look the way look, the way i like to do it is i obviously think i'm doing it the right way yeah and i try my best to keep it the right way by being honest yeah having the proof to back up what my animals are so like locality wise and, and breeding picture you you know so if there was some sort of i don't i, I wouldn't say like a license but something that breeders maybe had to have that went through these things that had to state what these animals are and, and stuff legally and then get checked up on all the time. Mm -hmm. So then the people that are labeling up, labeling them up wrong will get found out sooner or later. And then they, yeah, but know, by then it's too late when you've got, <laughs> you've brought a 50% uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard one because you've yeah, got to rely on people being honest. If on you that. bring in a license system and all of, and people have to be uh, certified, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. Joe is going to be permanently bald. Jez is going to have a complete 
midlife crisis and buy a pink Lamborghini, and they're not going to be able to cope with the amount of articulated pythons they're picking up. No. You know, I mean, that, that's what's going to happen. But this is, that also go goes with sperms as well. That's, but Hoss, but Hoss, Hoss, Hoss. To be fair, though, we keep saying reticulated python, and yeah. I keep, it's mainly me saying that. When I say retic, I do mean giant snakes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, 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 let, let's let's face it though, you are only looking at the very immediate future. If 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 we want to sort a problem that's taken fifty years, to, or whatever, however long it has to become an issue, we we need to look at the big the bigger, much longer. Um, plan, you know, if if we were to say, okay, yeah, we need to bring in a licensing system, which which is a good idea in theory. So There's a it lot to it. Well, yeah, but you, so does everything, really, yeah. doesn't it? You know, it, no, no matter what we do, how we do it, we're going to risk it going underground. I yeah. mean, that's just a given. Well, it's, um, it's I think that. Without having that but also, that. where there's no what I think, demand, I think yes, there's a demand for animals. There's going to be a supply for cheap animals. There's oh, always there, going to be there's a high, there's always but a high if we if we, if we if we bring in a licensing system, yes, you're going to see more animals in your care. Of course, yeah. that's going to happen. But that's just the immediate effect. Yeah, the, the long term effect is it will slow everything down and people will start to give up. And that's actually what we need. So we maybe thought we'd see this because of the AAL, but it's actually we haven't seen a massive. Uh, in, we expect I think that's because most people are laughing after. at the AAL. Do you know what I, oh, yeah. what I noticed about the AAL? <laughs> Do you know what I noticed? And I did see I see breeders sell up. Right. Like I said before, I've seen. Breeders put on on Facebook and stuff. Oh, I'm getting out of hobby. I'm selling up. Um, I've seen well, I've, I've seen all sorts. And then all but of a sudden, the breeders see... are selling up. It's wannabe breeders buying there, yeah. then big but animals, then the... and it's still perpetuating the cycle on it. Yeah, but then the people that the people that have said that they're going to stop breeding and they're getting out of the hobby, they're then doing clutches again and again, whilst they're meant to be getting out of the hobby. And then at the same time as well, I've noticed as well that ball python or raw python breeders should i say are also jumping on the retic bandwagon now yeah. i've noticed i've noticed i've noticed raw python breeders starting to try and breed retics yes yeah, so yeah. I, I saw that a couple of years ago um when the whole um oh god uh certain reptile shop up, up north who were doing a lot of retics bringing them from america um i forget the name off the top of my head uh, but um <laughs> You know, you know what I mean. It's horses for courses, isn't it? Um, it's, yeah. it's the morph market. It is going to kind of like flap over to onto the other ones. Um, do you want to talk about the costs of keeping a large animal uh, or a large snake? So, let's go towards um, an enclosure. So we're looking at a minimum of a an eight before before uh, for a mainland retic at minimum or a Burmese python. Um, would you say that was a minimum kind of thing, or am I talking at my ass? Personally, well, with rescue uh, stuff, we we want bigger the better. Um, I think people overlook that when you buy a little berm or a little afrock or a little annie or whatnot, is that they're not prepared for the financial cost of, you know, re uh, upgrading enclosures until they get to their end game sort yeah, of so big size enclosures. For me, for me to build a six foot enclosure or a speed with glass, I'm probably talking best part of. Hundred quid, Shane. Haven't, haven't we done this? Already? I don't. I, I don't. Uh, I don't know because I bought a two hundred and fifty quid's worth of G four. So 
that put my case right up. Oh, okay. Yeah, but if you're not able to build them, you've got to buy them. And at certain those sizes... I, I spent a £1,000 on an enclosure and nearly got kicked out of my house. <laughs> so, you know... <laughs> yeah, so I was in trouble that day. But, yeah, but the people that can get... can't, you know, haven't got the know-how to build themselves have to rely on manufacturers or custom vivs. You know, and then yeah. they, you get this big animal and they're not prepared to, or, you know, realise to go to somewhere to go and get a custom viv is actually quite expensive. But if you're willing to put that money out, that's the people that should be keeping. Definitely. And then obviously you've got your heating and whatnot. And, you know, sometimes with these larger enclosures, you need multiple heating elements. Uh, you know, with a... I mean, our, our electric bill each month, we get a combined gas and electric. So, but it's about 220 a month oh, so it's not yeah, my, my electric 64 pound a week <laughs> i think jez is just the bargain hunter for electric bills but, <laughs> God damn right on that one. <laughs> i pay 64 pound a week on electric but i've got four kids as well so oh, they could damn. be playing a playstation too long yeah, well, that as well. <laughs> it, it is really, really interesting. And, and, and what jumps out to me is there's so many different angles to look at this. Um, you know, everybody on this uh, show tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that are really responsible in what they do. Um, the problem is we're a tiny, tiny percent of what's actually out there. And, you know, if people are breeding these large animals on a, on a large, um, on a large scale, uh, and there's numerous people doing that, then Jesus Christ, you know, we but are. Gonna but where there's a the demand, someone's going to supply, you know. Honestly, I get messaged two or three times a day minimum after, after snakes. Honestly, hands down, two or three times minimum. Sometimes when it gets near the end of the month, I can get 10 messages in a day. When it's really sunny outside and in the summer, it, it's even worse. So like the first couple of shows at Donny, where it's nice and sunny, no one cares about spending money. They just want to buy snakes. It's, it's, it's like seasonal. Yeah, we have that with the rescue. Can I add it? Can I add it? Can I check it? Yeah. 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 I think ethically, you know, at the end of the day, breeders need to take a, take a look at themselves and ask what is the exact purpose they're breeding for. I mean, you know, nobody over here, nobody over here is going to make the next Jeb Brewer is going to make hundreds of thousands out of it, like he is. And for every clutch he's having, the amount that end up God knows where to get one that he wants. But over here, the more people that are breeding, the more and more of these animals that are being pumped out, saturating the market, we're absolutely narrowing down the audience of the people that can keep these and want to keep these animals full term. And that's why so many are getting dumped or end up in rescues as well. People will also buy that cute animal as a baby, just like a puppy dog. And as that animal starts to grow, as the poo start to get bigger, as the feed bill gets bigger, as the enclosures get bigger, then people lose interest and they move that animal on. So I think at the end of the day, there's no easy quick fix solution to this, but the amount of people that are breeding these animals is, you know, astronomical and it is farcical to be honest I think, in yes, my we, you've, you've got to look at you know sort of advocating advocating for you know more responsible breeding but i think also a stronger point is or also advocating for you know um, new keepers coming in getting the message that these animals you need to research um you know is we need to uh, That's kind one of of the reasons advocate for decent keepers if they're the supply and demand it's the time as well that they're going to have for every, these animals. For every, that's, for every that's, ten. The, that's what people don't seem to fathom. Yeah. You know, you're not buying an animal that's 
you know, going to cark it in, uh, you know, five years unless you yeah. keep it badly, obviously. But it's, I mean, for you every, know, you've got a long, long commitment there. For every, for every 10 animal, for every 10 people, you know, how many out of 10 people, for every 10 people can successfully and financially and ethically keep a reticulated python for every 10 yeah, people? Exactly. Mm. You know what I mean? You're, like you're down to a small minority Pass. there. Low number, yeah. yeah. We are, and that's where the problem, and that's and that's where so many people get their backs up because people feel that because they have experience and they've been keeping these animals since twenty or thirty years that it's okay to continue to do this. But my biggest thing with any sort of husbandry in relation to animals is you keep evolving, you keep moving forward. Times change. What we did twenty, thirty years ago isn't what we're doing now. However, you've got people that have evolved. You have, but you've, you you've also have got people that have really good. Yeah, you get a lot, but there's a lot, an awful lot of good keepers out there that don't post overtly, yeah. or you know, they're a bit jaded maybe by the hobby, and you know, sort of someone that's just got their first retic for six months and they now know everything, <laughs> getting yeah. jumped on. So a lot of people kind of pull in, you know, heads down, bum up. They've learned to kind of just come away from the internet forums and just enjoy their animals as well so there is a lot a lot of good keepers out there but they're not necessarily kind of yeah. uh, showing it just the, the bad ones just stick out more oh massively do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and, and, and that's what everyone's the, judging everything off. Yeah, we never remember the positives yeah. of a situation. No, I mean, look at with the rescue. I mean, we've had you know, the one boa group in particular, they raised £450 to get an emergency racking for us. You've got people that have donated a hurt text to us. You've had people do uh, shops that are doing barbecues for us. You know, we're good friends with Peter and uh, Kaz, Peter Rice, and they help amazingly behind the scenes. Those moments do get sometimes with us. We sit down and go, what the bloody hell are we doing this for when we've had a bad day and whatnot? Unfortunately, those seem or get more recognition because it's more like, you know, shocking. You forget about the good in the hobby. So the bad publicity, like with that retic buy and, and whatnot, can overshadow some you know, there's amazing keepers keeping all these giants, you know, and are advocating for good, you know, husbandry and adapting and helping people that are coming up in the hobby as well. You know, but unfortunately, it, it does tend to get overshadowed by the shits or yeah. like you know the the chav in his like wife beater shirt oh, with his retic in the it's, garden it's like you only see once a year yeah can i just instruct yeah. that uh, jez you were calling my name earlier just before you leave yeah, your I'll, comment well, i was just going to say and joe's touched on it with her last point you, you know you started this little piece of this of the conversation with the cost and eight by three ideal etc 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 that's that's all well and good Oh. Then down to that keeper to make sure that that animal is cared for properly in that enclosure. Because we have been to some oh. rescues where they've got large enclosures, uh, but you wouldn't you wouldn't keep anything in them. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're absolutely horrendous. To yeah, it's, it's the, the maintenance. Point, as well, you know, it's it? just it's it's yes, 
Well, it's people with good intentions that help, like with rescues, but they've got no experience and are pretty dangerous. And and, sorry, Haas, and also, you know, you get that where people have all the best intentions, like you just said there, Joe, then they get frightened of the animal. So they just leave it. Yeah. And all they do, they throw in a rabbit every yeah. every month. Uh, the water bowl gets changed as and when they, they feel brave enough to yeah. do it. That so, is no life for an animal. Yeah. Or label, I mean, well, coming from the rescue perspective, is that uh, they're giving misinformation out about these animals. They'll demonise them all and say, no, they're puppy tame. Or, you know, it, it's... You want to be realistic about these animals. They're a joy to keep. They should be an honour. They're not, you know, they're a p- privilege to work with all the giants, all animals. Definitely. But we've all... I've been, I've been to a shop, right? I'm not going to say no names. And we, and we picked up an animal from a shop, right? And this was a, an adult female, yeah? And this, this we, we paid little, to, no money for it, my mate did. And it, it was a wild-caught Sula. And we went upstairs, and apparently they only had it because it nailed the owner. Right, so from a the start, they was they were scared of it. We went upstairs to go and bag it up because they wouldn't bag it up. We got up there; it was in obviously a little holding viv. We picked it up, thinking it was going to be you know aggressive. It was stone cold. It was covered in stuck shed, and it was well underweight. So mm. it's things like that that ain't helping the hobby. And then obviously we've my my friend moved house, and someone else has took that sooner on now. You've probably seen it on Facebook. And when he's tried to get. <laughs> the background information from the guy we got it from, that the my mate paid money for, he denies all knowledge of selling that animal. So yeah. there's people like that that need rattling out. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so we're getting on to two hours, 13 minutes. We do need to start wrapping this up. Um, so I don't, is there anything that you or uh, Michael, Danny, you want to add before we start winding down? I just uh, the, the the one thing that I wanted to mention, and we and we obviously we've picked on the giant breeds tonight, but a lot of what we talk talked about tonight, um, we can relate to so many other species as well. Yeah, you know, not 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 just the giants. You know, if if it's a carpet python kept in an enclosure that's too small and people don't have the knowledge and they're not looked after properly, if it's a monitor lizard, that there's you know. I think the next one down is uh, boas. Have yeah. a hard time. Have a yeah. hard time. I think just just a lot of the people that aren't involved in the hobby, as soon as you mention Boa Constrictor, because it's got constrictor in their name, they 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 straight away take a negative approach to it. I don't know if you found the same, but that's what I've found. The worst one for that is that anacondas. You say that and it's like massive, oh my god, you know, know, I just think of Nicky Minaj. Honest, <laughs> well, you know that anaconda we went at Blackpool to go and pick up. We had um, a couple of reporters, local papers up there, ask for us for interviews about it. And it was like, nope, because you know they're going to look at anaconda, they're going to go on Google, they're going to get, you know... A picture the, of a corn the, snake. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and, ah. you know, kind of shock tactics. People are going to look at an article article not say like you know several people help save this try and save this animal they're going to put money to found yeah you know it's uh it, it's it's frustrating okay. yeah i think i think that sorry Hoss, the, the media has a massive part to play in, in this and i'm going to just touch on one thing <laughs> obviously the media 
absolutely slated uh, a, 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 um, a you know a political guy for driving a certain amount of miles. Uh, did you see the video of them swarming round yeah. him? And there's twenty climbing on top of each yeah. other, so they can, they can pick on him for dr- taking a drive. Oh, somewhere. we were actually waiting then, for some backlash because of what the mileage we've been doing during COVID for picking up animals and whatnot. We were actually waiting for a bit of backlash on that. I think it's totally justified, Joe. I don't think you'll have to worry about that. Oh, yeah, no, you're, co- you're covered under welfare. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah Wells, but, it's, yeah, but there, still, it's... Uh... Mr. Wells? Yeah? Have you, have you got anything yes. to add? So much. <laughs> do you, do you wanna... You've actually all been very easy, honest, to be honest. Do you honest. want a pen and paper? I've... No, I don't know. I've got about an hour and 45 minutes okay, worth well, of shit that, to add. So, okay, <laughs> so I'm going to start wrapping up now because I feel like we could literally discuss this for hours and hours uh, and hours. Days, days so of end. My last final thing that I want to ask you guys, and I want you to do it individually, so I'm expecting four sets of answers. But I'd like two reasons to keep with ticks or giant species or whatever, and then two reasons why you shouldn't. Oh, um, that's going to be hard. <laughs> okay, well, we'll start with Dougie because, you know, he's the intelligent one out of everyone's partner. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there's two reasons why I wouldn't want to keep him. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can think that easier than to do, so. All right, so, Dougie, <laughs> two reasons for keeping giant snakes and two reasons not. not. Two reasons not for keeping, if this is just, you know, blase for everyone as a whole. Um, two reasons for not keeping. One would be space for the animal can you give the animal the space it needs um and the other reason would be what's your purpose and intention for the animal in other words are you wanting this animal to look cool and to be a statement piece is this animal going to be flipped on in a few months time or flipped on once it's brought out you know that sort of way God damn it, that was my answer. <laughs> <laughs> two, two, yeah, but that's fine. It's, it's got to come from the heart, guys. Two, two reasons why you should um, would be that single-handedly they're without doubt probably the or one of the most beautiful looking snakes in their natural form. So they are. Um, so yeah, you know, beauty and passion. Um, secondly, kind of think... Secondly, would be it's a hard one to think of when you're put on the spot. Secondly, would be if they're the species that you get the most enjoyment and satisfaction out of. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Can I just touch up on one other wee subject? Sorry, I know just uh, before you wrap up, is that all right? Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. I know, Hoss, you had said to me about it and prior and stuff, and um, I'll make it quick. There obviously has been a lot of stuff in the media recently between you know, certain websites, certain pet shops, you know, and other people, um, you know, portraying retics as, you know, what they can do, what they're capable of, that sort of stuff, you know, the, you know, how they can be dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I've obviously been working with, with bigger ones here and, you know, I would say Joe and Jez, whenever they get to their point, probably say the same. They're not, they're not necessarily a nasty, nasty animal, you know, Yes, there will be certain ones just like people within the species that are not tolerant or not placid. The difference between that most people get wrong is that they're a highly switched on, intelligent and reactive animal in relation to food that has the capability of doing a lot of thinking, a lot of cognitive thinking, um, as opposed to an aggressive animal. 
once you understand it and the knowledge is there behind that, you can work with the animal in quite a wonderful way. And um, if the animal is tolerant and certain safety protocols are followed, obviously you've seen me and there's another keeper, I'll not say his name, everyone I'm sure knows him, who would obviously regularly let the reticulated pythons around their children. Um, some see this as bad parenting, some see it as okay, some see it as crazy. Um, I would say that if you're confident and you know the animal, yes, they're not domesticated, they're still a wild animal. However, if you have a good understanding of the animal and its behavior, and you teach your child, not the snake, but you teach your child or you teach whoever how to interact with that animal safely, then it can be done so in quite a safe and pragmatic approach, you know, without getting bitten or without getting hurt, you know, despite the size, as long as certain precautions and safety steps are followed. Um, I think these animals sometimes are demonized and shunned too much because of their size and because of the horror stories. And in turn, that can make it difficult for people like Joe and Jez to get people to adopt people that could offer potentially very good homes, but are maybe have that fear factor, you know, yeah. approach. Um, you know, so I don't know whether you guys want to ask any questions about that, but that's, I just wanted to get that bit in. Sorry. Um, what I would say as well, sorry, is that, you know, for me, I find it very hard to believe at times, unless the snake's not a tolerant snake. If you have a snake that is quite tolerant, I find it very hard to believe that a snake will just automatically get of nowhere, start striking and constricting. You know, it's always down to human error. Um, and that's my view, and that's what my view has always been. And as I say, I use retext for educational purposes amongst kids, amongst adults. And, you know, I'm confident in doing so. They're an amazing species, a fantastic species, and a species that deserve a lot of respect, but also admiration because they are a sheer, a sheer beautiful fascination of nature that's been created. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well said. Um, Mr. Shine. Right, so reasons to keep these these animals, right? Retics, they're, they're, they're just so intelligent and so interactive. They're just like, I, I don't know, it's something different. I, I could never, I could never own, say, a wall python because they're just not interactive enough for me as a keeper and working with them in general. Um, Another another reason why I, why I personally I personally keep them is because they have helped me a, a lot in the past. With um, when I, I was in, in the army, I left the army. Um, I started at quite a young age, and as I come out of the army, I had really nothing to do, nothing to spend money on. Um, I had a few issues in the past, and it all built up. And I started drinking, and I started doing things I shouldn't have done. And then I got into retics and I put all my money into retics and uh, getting them set up, getting them, you know, I'd buy a new enclosure, I'd buy a new heat mat. Yeah, yeah, it, it started it off. And then, so in that way, I feel like I owe, you know, most of my achievements or whatever to these, to these animals. They're just, they, they gave me a purpose at the end of the day where I was struggling to, to actually get up and do it anything you know before i had before i had the kids you know these were these were my everyday get up feed clean go and buy something new for them spend 30 quid on, on rabbits and not alcohol or, or anything else that i used to buy you know so to me they they they're just they're just awesome animals and they have helped me a hell of a lot when no we I appreciate you being so honest you know about I mean. it mate yeah see I, uh, all, everything that happened in my life from a young age i ended up like, I don't want to go into the sob story, but I ended up in a foster care, then I joined the army, and then it all caught up, and I got a thing called childhood PTSD, and then he having retics helped me get over that, 
do you know how keeping snakes in general because it gave me a purpose and something to focus on other than all of the negative stuff that was going around so for me their intelligence and their interactiveness is just amazing but that's just my personal reason why i would keep them you know if anyone else was yeah. to keep them I would, I would say you know these are the most intelligent or, i don't know if intelligent yeah intelligent is the right word in my eyes these are the most intelligent reptile snake whatever you want to want to say that you can own and they're the most interactive you can get these out you know they, they'll work around you. You, you you can you can put everything into these animals you know to to calm them down if they're a bit grumpy they're, they're just so clever and so uh, I, I don't know i can't get the words out do you know what i mean it's so yeah it's just how it is but the downside to keeping them is obviously you're putting big food into big animals. You're going to get big shits out oh, the other end. Thank God, somebody <laughs> so, somebody's so that, mentioned it. Uh, Jesus. You know, and and within my within my within my snake room, well, obviously when all the vibs are on and it's the summer and you walk in here and there's flies and it fucking oh, stinks. Yeah. And yeah, you know, if you're not very good with a shovel, yeah. don't get a large constrictor. Yeah, yeah. And I'm always get, always getting told off by the missus for having a smell somewhere in the house. Or I've got my own room, but it still leaks around the house. So yeah, so that would be one of the downsides. The other downside I'm going to have to say, and I'm going to be honest because it's all about honesty, is 80% of the other retic keepers. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're all out to be better than one another, all out to put somebody down. No one, there's a very small amount of other retic keepers that are going to be out there that are going to want to help you and see you succeed. They just want, they want it all for themselves, really. You know, I don't know what any other community is like, but the, the retic community itself, there's only a small percent of people that I, classes friends within that because everyone else is just they'll say one thing and do another thing you know it, it, it uh, puts a downer on it and that's why i block myself out of them sort of situations and stay away from that because when i was getting dragged into that sort of stuff it, it put a downer on my keeping so i would say that is probably one of the biggest things about keeping retics is other retic keepers definitely yeah, <laughs> and then joe and jess would you like to take one each Go on then, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, positive. Jez, Jez, was you just having a wee then, or was that Joe topping you off? No, no, no. I just uh, just poured a glass of water, mate. <laughs> Good man. I'm still, I'm still in the fucking bathroom. <laughs> uh, I'll go for the, uh, the reason why. And the reason why, you know, retics from me, personally, and... I think Joe as well, but they put a smile on my face. You know, there's not uh, a time when I don't go into uh, an enclosure where, you know, you expect the unexpected, you know, you know, sometimes they're, they'll sit there and look at you. Sometimes they'll come up to you. You know, there's, there's no uh, set pattern with them. They're highly intelligent to a, to the, to a point. You know, they have their moments like anything, but to me, uh, it sort of puts a smile on your face and you've got a reason to put the effort into care for it, then, you know, that's where you need to be. If you start getting to a point where that passion starts to drop and you start questioning or you start to let things slip, then, you know, it's you you got to, you know, put some serious thoughts into what you're doing. But for me, if it puts a smile on my face, which they do, you know, happy days. And I think that's, uh, that's part of where we come from with the rescue. You know, we wouldn't, we would put the hours in, we wouldn't do the traveling, 
you know it's cost us you know thousands over the last few years to to do what we do but you know that's that's on us and we do it because we want to and we we've got a passion for these animals so you know that's that's for me that's i don't know whether i'm assuming joe's the same but yeah what about a negative side from yourself jez from me yeah. Or do you want to leave the negative to Jo? She can be oh, negative and answer. Shane, Shane, oh, Shane, I've got loads of those. <laughs> I think the negative side from a, a rescue perspective is uh, that we have animals in in horrendous condition and, you know, someone's let that animal get into that condition and that's, it, it really does grind, you know, that it's it's not difficult to put basic husbandry in that's going to keep an animal to a, a standard that's you know the animal is going to be in good health you know Amen. but some of some of what we get in the you know from burns to mouth issues to you know all manner of things obesity mm. you know it's it's just beggar's belief sometimes that would be my negative yeah that's a good call and big bird what are you going to say <laughs> oh, whatever, T-Rex. Positive. <laughs> <laughs> um, positive. I think pretty much it's going to echo what Jez has said, but from maybe if I go from the rescue uh, side, is that the reward of placing animals in great homes. Um, you know, ones that with example with Dougie with a uh, Pandora, she came to us that was dumped outside a shop. She was in a box with about an inch of urine. She had a fresh burn. And now we see posts of Dougie putting up Pandora and she's amazing. And that makes, you know, it worth it. Uh, negative is people using, you know, the big animals as showpieces. You know, it, uh, the machismo, sort of like, you know, the same aspect we see chavs with like staffies on like harnesses. It's a lot of people get these animals for the wrong reason. And it's so frustrating and they kind of like to perpetuate. Look how hard I am. I don't use a hook or I've just been bit by this, but I'm well hard. Yeah, and it whatever. makes it and it's not the majority of people that keep. They're not like that. But unfortunately, when you see it on forums and whatnot, they're the ones that get the likes. They're the, or the kind of entertainment value. Yeah, they're the ones that draw the light on it. But it's overall, these animals are a privilege to work with. You know, we yeah. uh, we advocate for them and advocate yeah, for awesome. ethical breeders and ethical what, what, like what, keepers. What was that and... in the background, Shane? I said they're fucking awesome. That's a pound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know what? Listening to what you and Jez were saying then, I wonder if that's linked the fact that a lot come in that are obese and the fact that people want them to be big, like now, these trophy animals. Now you do you usually, think people are. You usually find that with berms. Yeah. I don't know if you remember Fat Boy, the big boa that we had in. I'll see that. Yeah. Um, now, when we first had him in, uh, Rick took him thank god but when he passed after three years and losing five kilos and there was still five kilos of fat in there we did a mm. post and it had over a thousand shares and it was depressing as hell when people were going that's an amazing big boa that's brilliant that's gorgeous snake 
but that no, you see that with berms specifically as well as we see it, is people seem to glorify you know they think fat and big is amazing you know people want the biggest yeah people don't understand the importance of exercise either with berms and stuff like that they do oh they? yeah so yeah no we it's like we've had a lot of obese berms in um and i think people think that's the norm they're sofa slugs but these are actually, you know, they're actually quite active. Nice, we could get them, keep them nice and fit and whatnot. They're just as active as, as other uh, other uh, species. Maybe not so much as retics, but it's public perception of what these animals should be. Either demonising or like beardy mumming them. Oh, they're lovely. They love like cuddling up. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Then. I think you're absolutely right. Right. So I think. The question of this whole thing is, can we justify keeping large constrictors in a private collection? And I think we've come to the conclusion on our little debate thing, is that, you know, we probably can justify keeping them if we're open-minded, we do our research, and we actually understand what we're taking on, and we're being honest with ourselves. And I think if you think you are, I think you need to just stop think again and just make sure that you are because it's people like Joe and Jez that have to pick up and fix the mistakes after looking after these animals that aren't looked after correctly and it's Agreed. people like Dougie who have to then take them in and people like Shane who have to offer help as well and you know myself and Danny and Mike and all the other keepers that are around um, so I, th I think we can justify it but I think we need to be responsible now I think there's a lot of people who have have seen this podcast and hopefully you've made it to, to the end of this, this whole discussion you probably thought we were going to sit here and bash and, and name call and argue and it's not about that, it's about having a mature adult debate and these are Stop on the reptile community badly <laughs> you know, there's, there's too much bashing each other in the retake community anyway Well, there's too much bashing worldwide all together yeah. um, you know, these are beautiful animals and that we, they're here, they're in captivity and we can keep them, but we need to keep them well, and we need to leave our egos on the front door and do, do the right thing. Um, Absolutely, pride in there. A lot of people won't swallow the pride and ask for help or listen yeah. to people. Or admit they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So if you can keep a retic or a Burmese python or a rock python or an anaconda, and you can give them what they need, then go ahead. But if you want to keep them, that's a, that's that, that's a different thing. Um, yeah, and, and you know, I think a lot of people can take a lot of the advice and the comments that you know a lot of experienced people on this show tonight have have, have given out for free. You know, take on board the costs and everything else that comes along with owning that retic. You know, you get one from a baby. Uh, you don't necessarily know how it's going to turn out. Um, you, you you can nurture it to a degree, but nature will always uh, take over at some point. So it's really important, you know, to give it a massive, uh, massive consideration before you even uh, think about it. But more importantly, get to know somebody who's got one and get some hands on experience yeah. with 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 somebody because because that could be uh, a game changer for you. And I think also with people that I think, you know, the uh, the good keepers, keepers out there is you want people to show, lead the way as such, you know, to be able to 
and mentor other people as well, you know, and because the decent people will answer questions and help, you know, it's, it's, yeah. that's what I was just going to say. I was going to say, if anybody out there is thinking about maybe getting one, then, you know, hit me up. I'm, I'm only a message away. I'll, I'll quite happily stop whatever I'm doing to talk snakes, whether that be I'm at work, I'll stop, slide off, answer messages, yeah. you know, sorry, you can come sorry, around. Sorry, boss, not sorry, boss. Likewise, what Shane was saying there, um, one thing I'm always is very honest and very blunt and very straight to the point. So, if I say I'm no expert, I'm no pro, or whatever people label themselves as these days, I'm competent. But if anybody is thinking about articulated Python, I'm glad to talk with them about it in relation to it. What I would say is for anybody that's thinking about giving one a home, it's not me trying to promote Midland Giant Snake Species Rescue here, but I would say strongly, strongly go and speak with these guys and look at these guys because for me, I don't often vouch or publish or promote people, but for me, it's about ethics, you know, morally as well, about how people do things. And these guys have got to bang on. If you look at how they do things, the money they pump in themselves, they don't expect it to come from other people and the animals that they give out, they don't overrate or, you know, overjudge the animals. They're very honest about what you're getting. Um, and I think that's important. So I would definitely, for anybody that's looking, especially into giving one a home, yeah, I would definitely, definitely say, look at Midland Giant Species Snake Rescue, I would definitely say that. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Thanks, baby. Um, so do you want to, Joan, Des, do you want to quickly run through how people can get in touch with you? Um, we are on Facebook, and uh, Midland Giant Species Snake Rescue. We have got a call button. Uh, we are always around to answer questions or to help um we are non-judgmental you you know we've had many people that have come to us with animals that are poorly and we arms open to them we're there for general advice as well and if we don't know we will ask someone that will but feel free to to call to text whatsapp message the page um that's it, basically. Well, um, so, <laughs> do you guys want to know the damage of the fines for this pod podcast episode? Oh, no. I've been really good. It's not that bad, actually. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, okay. So, I don't think I have. No, no. Yeah, you did. No, so, <laughs> Mike, that's £5. He dropped off at one point. I did see it. I didn't. I didn't drop off. I went for a wee. No, no, <laughs> Danny, you, you swore once and you dropped off. So that's six pound. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you missed most of them. That's I fine. think I think Danny was off for most of it, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I swore and I offended Danny at the start. So that's six pound. And you offended me. Oh, that's eleven pounds. And you wear harem pants, so that's fifty. <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> and, you're, and you're ugly, so that's a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> that's a five extra for Danny for offending me. Um, that's fine. Joe, and, Joe and Jess, it was only one pound. Well done. Yes. What? I know. Oh, Shane, ah, two pound. <laughs> Shane, one pound. Yes. Doggy. Thought it'd be more than that. Doggy. Yeah. You dropped off twice, mate. That's a tenner. Well, here, do you know something? And, been, and, uh, and, been, and you're excessively short, so that's another fiver. <laughs> well, I was, was going to say, you've had the privilege of been on with you guys a few times, and you've welcomed me back again, and it's been fair enough, so I'll double that and go 20. Because it's for a really good charity, and uh, obviously mental health, you know, my missus works in mental health and that. I, like I said before, first, first egg I sell, then I will donate 
all that money to you guys to give to that charity. Okay. No matter that's what that's it is. That's actually wonderful, mate. Right, so we'll match juggies as well. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. Right, okay. So if you're listening to this and you would like to help uh, support mental health, then if you can text the word Papyrus1, that's P-A-P-Y-R-U-S-1, to 70085, that will donate one pound to Papyrus or Papyrus. Uh, papyrus. So, yeah. <laughs> papyrus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so papyrus slash uk.org is their website. Please check them out. They're a really good charity. For more information about Reptile and Chill and what we do, if you want to head on over to our website, which is www.reptileandchill.com, you can look at our hoodies and t-shirts for sale. Our social media is Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the handle of Reptile and Chill. We will be back next week, 7am in the morning, Monday, for another podcast. Um, the live shows, we are taking a little bit of a knock on the head just for a couple of weeks uh, whilst we spend some time with our families during these unprecedented times. Harsh, you're saying that, but he's just had an allotment and uh, now he hasn't got time for the live shows. <laughs> You've got a shitload of work to do on that allotment, mate. <laughs> Behave. Um, well, that, that is about it. Um, thank you for everyone for being patient, being mature. Um, hopefully this episode is giving people a bit more... Um, a bit of stuff to think of about. An insight. Yeah. An um, insight into to large keep yeah, large reptile keeping. Definitely. And we all can agree, you know, it's all about the animal welfare and that's what we all want. Yeah, Animal welfare before eagles. Definitely. Yes. And I think if you're gonna just sum it up really quickly, if you're gonna keep a big ass snake in a small box, fuck off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's another point. Oh, that's just going to be skin. It's also it's also worth noting that I hope people take away from this that Reptile and Chill are not the biggest assholes in the world. No, we're, the we're, we're, we're in the galaxy. We're, we're, uh, we're unbiased and we're not here to bash people as Mike said earlier. Um, and we we've we've actually got a bit of flack over this. And we haven't even finished recording yet. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, they haven't even heard it yet. Exactly. We've not even finished recording yet. And we've we've already got, like, well, we've been called names and all sorts left, right, and center. And it is. Oh, do you know what? It's fun now reading it, you know. No, it's just just worth. Pleasantly surprising for people that were expecting a word. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. The reptile community is just too arrogant sometimes to, to be, fair, be open-minded. The worst. I think it's, just, it's too emotive people, and passionate. We want, yeah, there is a lot of passion there. But what we want is people to listen to all the positive stuff uh, and, and stop focusing on maybe we get things, or you know, we all get things wrong from time to time. Let's not focus on that. Let's concentrate on all the positive stuff that everybody's doing in the hobby. Yeah. And then yeah. help the people that are getting it wrong. Help the people get it right. Yeah, be yeah. open-minded leave your ego on the front door and on that note because we get to three hours I'm going to kick all of you up the arse man um, so from the breeder the keeper the rescuers uh, a big, and the three musketeers the three, the three, the three beady, uh, yeah Vikings but, yeah gobshite um, <laughs> thanks for listening we'll see you next week good night love you love you bye Jazz Jazz yeah I love you Jazz here, Dan. Dan. Oh, you're the best. Dan. Dougie. <laughs> Come out of the bathroom now. Bro. Dan. Yes, Dougie. From, from, on, Dougie. From, from Northern Ireland. At us, nay. At us, nay. What's he just call you? <laughs> Love you, bye, I think. Bye. <laughs> bye. Love you, bye. See you, bye. guys.
عمث ناي